Jake Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine this is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN 690.com. 3,300 likes in four minutes for LeBron James last night. When Not he said, shabby. I think I might hold a Q&A on Twitter sometime this week. Stay tuned. 3,300 likes. The guy's got 42 million followers. <laughs> so that sparked me. Yeah. And then it sparked you. And here we are now. And here we are. There are some questions coming in, and I'm going to plug it on Facebook as well. And uh, I think by the time it's all said and done, we'll probably have around 20 questions answered. So <laughs> that should be good. And uh, I, I'm not lying. I mean, every question that is asked to me, uh, pending it's not, you know, racial or something insensitive, I will answer to the best of my abilities. <laughs> yeah. Brent, if, if you guys LeBron James one question, what would it be? That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, Those are the only kind that I have, sir. I don't know. I'll tell you later. Okay. I have to come up with something that's really smart. <laughs> uh, uh, one question is hard. Yeah. That's a one que That's hard thing to do. Um, I don't know. Do you know what you would ask? Not off the top of my head, but you're used to asking questions and whatnot to athletes. So here's the thing. So I said, like, in a giant press conference, here's LeBron James, okay? He's sitting in front of you. And you only get one question. Do you ask a question that might rub him the wrong way to get maybe like some views and stuff on Twitter? Because oh, it's like, oh, Brent Marno asked LeBron James this controversial question. Or do you ask him like a funny question or some, a question that he might like? Because that way he's going to remember you. And then maybe you guys can, I don't want to say have a friendship, but maybe <laughs> down the line, you know, you, you can go to him again and ask him a question. Nah. How does that work, Brent? Well, I never Fill ask, me a, in. I never at least personally ask a question because of that. Okay. Uh, so I'm not trying to be remembered from my questioning. Okay. I, I don't really think that way when I'm at a press conference or in an interview. I think about this kind of situation, like LeBron James, if you had one question, more like I was sitting and having a beer with him at a bar. Okay. Yeah. And there were about 15 people, but we all got one question. Gotcha. Rather than reporter, athlete, I think you'd more like, oh, what do I want to know about this guy that he is not going to say in a press conference? Yeah. Because he's this is more of an intimate setting that he might be able to do, uh, so, or at least open up a little bit. Gotcha. More. And I think guys are interested like that. To me... I've, I've said this a long time, and I don't want to be the guy doing an interview right now with Tiger Woods or even sitting down with Tim Tebow right now, but I do want to be the guy that would eventually sit down with them 25 years from now mm -hmm. when they would open up. Because see, the bottom line is those guys are so guarded, and, and even LeBron to a degree, so guarded that because they know what can happen. As soon as they say something, bam, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. My feeling is, and I don't know if I'm right about this, in 30 years from now, I don't really think they care about that anymore. And I think they would be more of an open book. Now, by that time, they'd probably have 15 books already written. but And maybe all the, answer, the questions have been answered. But I think they'd be, I don't want to say not genuine. I don't, I don't feel like they're disingenuous when they answer. I just don't think they're as open. I still think there's something guarded about them. That's what's mm -hmm. kind of been cool about Tiger Woods is he slowly, slowly pulled back the curtain a little bit on Tiger Woods. But he hasn't pulled it open. I mean, there are still times. He, he starts to go there for a little bit, and then it's bam, guard back up. And, and I think you almost have to be like that when you're those guys. I really do. I mean, I get it. But to me, it's not 
there's something missing. Every time I see a Tiger interview, every time I see Tim Tebow interviewed, for that matter, every time I see LeBron interviewed, I feel like I'm leaving that interview with something missing because mm. I know they didn't tell me everything. Mm. And not that they have to tell me anything. But I want to know a little bit more. And I do think 25 years down the road, I think those three guys, and there are probably more examples of that, but I think those are three of very interesting uh, personalities and athletes that we've had over the last, however, a decade at least. I think we will learn more about them down the road and about this period in their life when they're willing to share a little bit more. And I, by the way, I will be all ears on that interview. You bring up an interesting point because if you think through time of like, the, I'm talking the top, the, like the tier one, the most elite athletes at any sport, whether it's the Tom Brady's, whether it's the Michael Jordan's, I mean, you think back to their interviews and stuff, they didn't really give you a lot to go off of, did they? And I, and I wonder if that's got something to do. I mean, is it like an ego kind of driven thing? But they all have that in common. It's, uh, that's an interesting point. No, well, the the best guy in this, to me, is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, I interviewed him a few times in New York, not like one on one, but mm-hmm. I mean, I was in the the clubhouse and we would cover the Yankees and in his presence, yeah, and, yeah, nonetheless. And, and you're like, oh, okay, it's pretty cool. But he was the master of eight to twelve second sound bites. That said absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, he really did. He, and what do we need, especially at that time? See, I'm, I'm a little less. I don't use those sound bites on television anymore unless they actually say something. I don't, but in our business, a lot of times we just want to say, okay, here's a little video about Derek Jeter. Now let's hear him talk. What he says isn't really that important, but that's the model. Let's hear him talk. Well, he never really said anything of importance. He didn't. I mean, he, he never said anything that would be a back page thing never said anything that would be controversial they weren't talking about it up in new york about Mm -hmm. what he said in front of a microphone after a game or in the locker room never like can you ever can somebody remind me of a time that Derek jeter said something that you were like whoa but let's be honest here though brent is that a Derek jeter thing or is that a New York Yankee thing because I can't think of any Yankees that it really, I mean when they're on the team the New York Yankees came That's out and said anything I mean, controversial up, like I feel like fair point he grew they up run in that a pretty mold. tight ship yeah but he grew up but I do think it was a Derek Jeter thing Derek okay. Jeter mastered it yeah. you know Derek Jeter to me mastered a lot of things the guy didn't get married until he was out of foot, uh, baseball mm-hmm. and I'm saying you can't get married but I'm a big believer in this if if you want to stay out of those tabloids if you want Derek Jeter did a lot of things that athletes do. He just never put a ring on someone's finger while he was doing it, and it was smart. Yeah. And I think he benefited. He was not a back-page guy in New York. How do you you play in New York almost 20 years and not be a back-page guy with what you say or do? Aaron Judge is a prime example. Aaron Judge is pretty low-key as well so So far. far. It's early. Yeah. So far. So, I mean, A-Rod wasn't that, right? True. A-Rod would say stuff or do stuff, and there he was. So Derek Jeter to me is one of the most fascinating athletes because of that. And I'd probably put him in this category. Would he ever reveal more? Mm -hmm. Would he would he be would he do a revealing interview 20 years from now about his playing days? I'd be really locked into it. I'd be interested. And again, I don't uh, this is not a criticism of guys like that. LeBron, Tebow, Tiger. They live in a man. Do they live in a glass house? I mean, they live in a fishbowl and they have to protect something. You know, everything is out there. They can't, I don't think they can walk around and be as honest um, as you'd like them to be at times. Look what happens. Jalen Ramsey is about as authentic, I think, at times and genuine in front of a microphone um, as it gets. 
That's him. That's him. He says what he wants to say. Yeah. That's what we ask of athletes. Tell us how you really feel. Of course. And then we hammer them. We criticize them for, for it. it. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot. I mean, I think it's a little unfair on our side to do that. Say, hey, we were. Oh, you're not real. You're not telling us how you really feel. Well, then when a guy does, then we rip him. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and they have to say the right things all the time. So. I, I think it's a tough situation to be in, and uh, this is a long way from getting to what I would ask LeBron James. I still, I, I don't know what I would ask LeBron James. Uh, right now, I would ask him, why the hell did you go to L.A.? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you go to Philadelphia? Yeah, that's a good, that's like, a, that's and, a good question. And, and deeper to that, because I disagree with his methodology here, is that I don't think he needed to go to Hollywood to be a Hollywood guy and produce movies and commercials and stuff. I just don't think you have to do it. I think Hollywood's going to follow... James wherever he goes. Yeah. Let's be honest here. But yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a good point. I'm not sure if Space Jam two had something to do with it or what the issue was, but I understand yeah. why people say that the dots are connected there and I might not understand Hollywood. I probably don't the way I should. And so maybe there is an element of that that if you really want Shaq had to go out there. Well, LeBron had to go out there, but I don't believe it. This day and age, I think what you just said is right. Hollywood would have come to uh Philadelphia or is it really that bad of a deal to wait three or four more years before you go Hollywood? But how much was, you know, how much was he interested in the history of of L.A.? You know, the Los Angeles Lakers, Magic Johnson, um, the dude that's on the NBA logo, whatever his name is. Jerry West. <laughs> Jerry West, I know, I'm kidding. Uh, like, how Kobe. much? Yeah, Kobe, of course. So Kareem. Shaq, Kareem. So how much does it have to do with that and that history, the rich history? Nothing against the 76ers because they've been around for a little bit, too. Yeah, Dr. J. Dr. J. But, Alan Iverson. But, but I feel like the tradition in L.A. was more appealing as opposed to staying in Cleveland, number one, or maybe going to Philly. Absolutely. I think that's a, you know, listen, guys go to New York. I mean, if you're a baseball player and you don't want to play in New York, there's something special to it. I think Boston and Chicago and L.A. have that feel to it as well. And while Philadelphia is a good NBA city, it's not Boston or L.A. Um, And to be honest with you, it feels like there's only two of those. It is Boston or L.A. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of other good ones. Chicago was good for that stretch with those guys there. Now the Warriors are good. Mm -hmm. San Antonio's been good. But if you think about the history of the NBA... On a larger scale, there's only two of them. You think of... You know, the Boston Garden, Mm -hmm. and you think of those L.A. Laker teams. And so I could see it, but I also ask myself this. If I'm thinking that kind of way as an athlete, as a premier athlete, the the one of the best, if um, I think the best, why do I want to be just another guy on that team that's played in their history instead of being the guy that played in Philly and now I'm Dr. J Mm -hmm. and LeBron James and Allen Iverson? You know, not not 15 guys that have played in L.A. But let's be honest, LeBron, if you think about that kind of philosophy, then why not just stay in Cleveland? Because because before you, I mean, Cleveland wasn't really on the map at all. You know, they went to the playoffs a couple times, but no real superstars and no real guys that, you know, led to a championship. So from that perspective, if you're LeBron James, just stay in Cleveland. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And maybe that's what I would ask, because I do think it, I think, in my view, if a guy switches teams now once, I'm like, okay, that's the way of the world. But once a guy starts jumping around to teams, I feel like, especially a star, like one of the best to ever play, I feel like it loses something for me. You know? I don't I, like that. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not naive enough to know that we, we are not going to have the guy that plays for the same team all the time. We're not going to have Derek Jeter, Larry Bird. Magic Johnson. Not going to get that in sports. There's too much free agency. Guys play longer, and some people believe that they're done before they're not really done, or the player doesn't believe that they're done. So I get it. But I do. there's something about it that I don't love. 
that LeBron went to a third franchise. It would be like Peyton Manning saying, hey, Denver doesn't think I can do it, but now I'm going to go try it in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I just, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't tarnish what they've done. I don't think anything less of them, but in a way, I guess I kind of do. It's just like, oh, it takes something away from me. And maybe I'd ask them about that. Do you regret that at all? Because two teams, Cleveland, Miami, bouncing back and forth, that was fine. Cleveland, Miami, now L.A., yeah. It's like it's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan going to Charlotte. Kobe going someplace. I mean, Kobe. Michael Jordan went. Oh, right, but I it's unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, he, he, he went to Washington. Washington. I'm Charlotte now. He yeah. was a Wizards. He, he's, he used to take, he was taking over Charlotte, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's over in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he go to Washington. Washington. But that was like, weird, it's man. It's so forgettable, uh, see, man. Like, like that, that stunk. You don't go to Washington. It's so forgettable. I had completely actually forgot about it. <laughs> well, you know, I thought like, you went to Charlotte. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. It's just one of those things where you kind of delete it from your mind. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a, b- a lot of big picture stuff today, mm-hmm. uh, including the NBA. Does it have more stars than the NFL? You brought that up. I think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that on the show. I tweeted something over the weekend back at uh, another tweet that got a lot of traction, and it has to do with athletes playing multiple sports. We're going to bring that up with a guy who played professionally. But coming up next, undrafted free agents. The Jaguars just signed 21 of them. How special of a role is that? How much is that a diamond in the rough? And how good have the Jags been in franchise history at finding some quality undrafted free agents? We'll bring that up coming up next on ESPN 690. Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and in the iHeartRadio app. Whiteboard Eraser. You need it. It's a new day. That's teamwork right there, folks. Fred Martino, Austin Lane, Scott in again for Coos. And how about the bad news for Coos? I did not hear this. You broke the story <laughs> yeah. right before the show. Uh, this is a bummer. He went out to Colorado. Yep. And he's going for a few days, but his primary reason for going out was to go to Red Rocks. Yep, to go to Red Rocks to see a band called the 1975. And what happened? Apparently there was a giant storm last night. Their equipment van um, couldn't, I guess, get to the venue in time, and it's storming all day, and they kind of got stranded. So the concert was called off due to the fact that they couldn't get their equipment to Red Rocks on time. In which case, if I'm Coos, I'm literally complaining, why didn't you just grab your acoustic guitar and play an acoustic set? Because I came out from Jacksonville to Colorado to see the 1975, and now they're not playing. So, And I guess it's supposed to storm tonight, too, in Colorado, so I'm sure it'd be called off regardless. But uh, poor Coos, man. That's I mean, listen, say what you want about Coos. But I feel bad about him for, for this. Like, but that sucks. Yeah, it does I don't suck. wish that on anybody. And by the way, I went to Red Rocks last year, and it was awesome. How? Uh, who, first of all, who'd you see? Uh, Tedeschi Trucks. And did, did you go for like the the trail hike before it or not? Because like, I guess a lot of people go on the trails before. I didn't do that. Okay, it was jam packed, okay. and it took a while to get in. But then we a little tailgate for a short time, and then we made our way up. And I'm telling you. From that lot down where you park, if you've ever been to Red Rocks, to get all the way up to the amphitheater, it's a hike now. Yeah. I mean, that's a hike in itself. Like, that is the hike. (laughs) I mean, if there's a bigger hike, I didn't see it. But that was a hike. But it is awesome. It really, you know, it's funny as I'm not this, like, huge music guy. Mm -hmm. Not a huge concert guy. Although in recent years, there's some that I really circle. And I, I like to go. But I've always, for whatever reason, wanted to go to Red Rocks. You know, it stuck out to me. And again, like, I'm not this music festival guy or whatever, but 
I really wanted to go, so I was glad I got that off the bucket list and, and go. It was really cool. It was chilly. I mean, it was uh, late. What were we in? We were right near training camp, so it was early August mm-hmm. when we when we got there, late July. And by the time, like, the concert was, you know, the sun went down, it was chilly up there. Yeah, yeah, I sure. Mean, it was, that's what I but remember it, about it. Everybody says it's, like, one of the top three places in the world to see a concert. It has to be. Really? I mean, yeah, it's really, really cool. cool. I believe um, it. And it was neat that the Tedeschi Trucks, obviously, with the local yeah. ties, yeah. Uh, was there. That just a happened. little jam we, band. We, we would have gone to see anything. Okay. Like, because it was, we weren't working around the specific band. We were just... We were hoping that somebody was there when we were there, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be uh, But Tedeschi now trucks. poor Kush will never know. <laughs> <laughs> Kuz, man, he's going to uh, uh, he's going to be mad about that. Yeah, he should that, be mad about well, that. That uh, I think because the plan was too was to go to Game Seven between uh, who was it? It would have been the Nuggets, Spurs, and the Spurs, and uh, I don't think that came into play. Well, that was either. on him probably. Whoa, he yeah. should have gone there. Tickets for like seventy bucks. Yeah, I mean, he Pull asked me on Friday. He's like, "Hey, do you think we can get media passes?" I'm like, <laughs> "Maybe yeah. a little heads up next time." Yeah, huh? a day before, get media passes to Game Seven. Yeah, for uh, ESPN six ninety in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'll let you write in. What's the local tie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> in the D League, we have a podcast. kid from Jacksonville. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no idea. Hey, Jaguars undrafted free agents. How close yeah. did you come? Did you think uh, in your mind that you might potentially be an undrafted free agent? Uh, or did you think I, you were getting drafted? You had I a high rate? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought I was getting drafted because, like I said, I mean, I, I heard anywhere from third round to, to sixth round was kind of the, um, you know, the, the back and forth. I figured I would. And it's funny, though, because everyone thinks, well, if you get drafted in the seventh round, that's still a great honor. But all of, like, the seventh round picks that I've ever, you know, shared that locker room with, they always tell me, and make no mistake about it, every circumstance is different. But sometimes it's better to get undrafted as a free agent because then you get your choice of where you want to go. Because a lot of the times what will happen is a team will take a, you know, maybe just like a slight risk on a guy in the seventh round. He comes into a situation where he's, like, maybe fourth or fifth on the depth chart, and he has no chance of making the team. But if you're an undrafted free agent, you get the choice. And, now, I mean, granted, I mean, I'm sure, you know, teams can try to coax you because you still get a signing bonus. So some teams will offer you more than other teams. But, you know, if you're a defensive end and you're an undrafted free agent, you're going to look to see, well, what teams are hurting right now on the depth position for defensive ends. So sometimes it's better to go undrafted than it is to go in the seventh round. And that's why you brought it up. I mean, you can find uh, that there was a uh, um – kid that I actually reported on Saturday night that had a, was looked like he was coming to Jacksonville mm-hmm. and changed his mind. I was wide receiver. Changed his mind to go to the Jets. And it's interesting, right? It's like a recruit. It's yeah. the, like you have no control this whole process. And the teams, you have no idea where you're going. And the silliest question we ask in the whole draft process is, where do you want to end up, Austin Lane? Well, I don't really give a damn as long as one of the 32 (laughs) pick me, right? Because you have no idea where you're going to go. I mean, unless you're Kyler Murray or one of those top guys. And this kid, uh, the receiver, said basically, I think he was coming to Jacksonville, then either his agent or maybe he got off more money from the Jets or something came in a little later. It's a whirlwind deal right after the draft. I mean, the phones are ringing off the hook. So he ends up going to the Jets. and. That's how it works. I mean, it's basically like a recruit flipped, mm-hmm. you know, from Florida to Florida State. I yeah. mean, that's and, and you have the controls of play. That's it's the one unique part about it is, well, you really don't have a ton of control in that whole process, and you're just hoping teams are interested in you. 
when you do hit that 24-hour window, 12, 18 hours after the draft, you really can make a decision and say, this is a good fit. They're a little light at tight end. I'm going to go here. They're a little light at O-line. I'm going to go here. Sure, but it is kind of a catch-22 because it's almost like you're back in high school again getting all these phone calls from the NFL teams saying, hey, we want you to come play for us. We want you to come play for us, you know, and I mean, getting drafted, it's all right, we're going to sign you. You're going to play here. Sweet. Sounds good. Easy enough. But when you're an undrafted free agent, man, and your phone starts going off the hook and maybe you haven't followed the draft up close with the microscope, so you got to go to each roster and see, all right, well, they're hurting on depth here. They're hurting on depth here. I mean, that sounds like a pretty stressful process to me, uh, to say the least as well. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, you can choose your own destiny and pick your team, but I'm sure a lot goes into that as well. I feel like there's a... Um there's like a, uh, I don't know, a romance uh, with an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, I mean, again, you were in the locker room. It's not like you said, well, that guy got picked in the third round. That guy was an undrafted free agent. That guy was <laughs> yeah. No, not I at mean, all. It's not like that happened. No. But do you get the point of that? I mean, isn't like Montel Owens. That guy's yeah. undrafted. He made two Pro Bowls. Yeah. Avery Jones, I think, is now on his third contract in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. He's at least on a second one. And... The guys played fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, those. there's more. There's Alan Hearns, the 10-touchdown season. Uh, there's Keelan Cole. Story's still unwritten on him completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back to the Tom McManus days. I mean, there's a lot of these guys. But it, don't you get the sense that there is a little bit of a romance with those guys that, that kind of went through this? Yeah, without a doubt, because... America loves the underdog story, and yeah. I guess you would say the ultimate under. Well, there's two underdog stories. I feel like from the draft, there's one underdog story like a Josh Rosen or maybe a guy that slips a little bit for you know reasons that are out of his control. Um, I think America falls in love with him because you know they want to see him prove people wrong. But I think the ultimate underdog story is a guy that goes undrafted. You know, there's what 253, 56 picks, something like that, in the NFL draft. I think 253 uh, in the draft, and you know that guy's name wasn't called, and. It, it's got to see, and this is maybe why I'm learning to get into like, to, to, like, scouting or things like that, because think about it. You had maybe eight or nine chances to pick up this guy that you're about to call as an undrafted free agent, and you're going to call him and say, like, hey, we really want you. We didn't want you so bad when we spent a pick on you, but we want you now. Like That's, that's got to be kind of an awkward conversation, and it's got to be a little bit of a frustrating situation from the undrafted free agent's perspective, too. So I think that, uh, that America loves to cheer for those kind of guys because, let's be honest, I mean, what did the Jaguars sign, 20-something of those guys? 21. 21. Realistically, how many guys do you see making that 53-man roster? Uh, one or two. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then the rest, I mean, you know, there's going to be some practice squad guys, maybe three or four practice squad guys. And the rest, you know, it's thanks for coming. We'll see you later. Yeah. Um. So I think that any guy that can make the team that kind of goes against all odds, I mean, don't get me wrong. The odds of even making it in the NFL draft are ridiculous. But the odds of being an undrafted free agent and having a career like Montel Owens did, like Avery Jones is about to do, I think, like Alan Hearns has done so far. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can't imagine. Yeah, the odds are, but, but it also shows the inexact science to me of the draft. Because we got a guy like Quincy Williams we're talking about who he even said, I could have gone anywhere from the third round to undrafted free agent. Really didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a guy, the kicker, uh, that Tampa Bay selected, said, I can't believe they picked me in the fifth round. I didn't expect that. Um, now, that's a different kind of position, but you understand my point. And then you have names that I was a little surprised 
didn't get drafted somewhere. I mean, maybe just because we know the names. Keelan Doss, uh, receiver on the West Coast there. UC Davis, I think it is. Uh, there was uh, Tyree Jackson, the Buffalo kid. I mean, the that was surprising right? to me, too. Yeah. I mean, talk about raw talent. I get it. A lot of raw talent. Yeah. But I didn't think he kid was going six, all seven, seven rounds. Kid 6'7", seven ran like a 4'6", 40. If I the mean, Jags had picked him in the sixth round, I would have been intrigued. Of course. Because you know, like, okay, there's no pressure to get this guy in here at all. But this is going to be an interesting project to watch. This guy's got some physical tools and talents. And I would have been really intrigued by that. Uh, even Martez Ivy out of uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, so names that... It just shows the inexact science of it. And this covers them a little bit when you get 20 guys to each team. That's a lot of players that go around the NFL that covers, say, okay, if we miss this or that needle in a haystack guy that once we get him out on the field maybe didn't do well in the process because I do believe in that. I think there are people that can try out. There are people that can take test scores. And then there are people that can just do it. Mm -hmm. And they don't thrive in those situations, whether it's academic or athletic. And this is where you kind of find those guys, which is fun. You know, it's funny because you, you, you said it perfectly yourself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote you here. You said it's an exact science in the terms of scouting. And you're absolutely right because you have the combines. You have what you see on film. And you have, all right, this guy ran the 40-yard dash and so-and-so. This guy does the bench press so-and-so. And then we're going to bring guys in at the combine. We're going to ask them all these crazy questions. going to get them on the board and, you know, drop the schemes. And let's see how smart they are when it comes to the, the game of football. You do all those things, but the one thing, and it doesn't matter if you're a scout, if you're a coach of that combine going through the recruits, the one thing that you can't gauge, no matter how hard you try to poke and prod at somebody, is how much heart that they're going to bring to the NFL. And that's where these undrafted guys come in. That's where these late-round picks come in where there is that chip on their shoulder. There is the mindset that... Against all odds, they will not be denied. They will work harder than anybody else, and they will make a name for themselves. And granted, some of those guys slip through the cracks, and it's definitely a rare thing, but there's always those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, undrafted free agents, give us some of your favorites. I asked over the weekend about them, too. Uh, We'll see who rises out of it. But you can almost book it. There will be one or two that make it. And again, the Jags went heavy on cornerbacks. They went heavy on wide receivers. They have... Uh, one tight end. I thought they'd have more tight ends in here. Because if I'm a guy that's an undrafted free agent, I'd say, hey, I can go compete with these guys. Mm-hmm. That's a light group right now. I was a little surprised to see not see more. A couple of safeties as well. I think a couple of linebackers. Um, no quarterbacks, no running backs on that undrafted free agent list. But there's always some that have fun. And by the way, the best part about the Jaguars' undrafted free agent list is they've got some guys on the all-name team. they got a guy named Bunchy. they got a guy named Poppy. And they got a guy named Picasso. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) Hey, NBA versus NFL stars. Is the NBA in a great place? Or can I make the argument that the NBA is in a dangerous place? Careful, Brent. Mm. Talk about it next on ESPN 690. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back here on a Tuesday. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Scott in for Coos. I uh, hope you're having a great day here in Jacksonville, Florida. And, well... 
all around, up and around the East Coast, uh, as you can get us from Melbourne to Charleston, South Carolina, and on all the video platforms as well. Jump in the conversation anytime. We now have it out there that uh, you can ask us a question just like LeBron. I mean, we are ready for the Q&As. Oh, yeah. The, the thing is, LeBron does this like once a year. We do it every day. Pretty much, yeah, but we're really pushing it today in honor of LeBron yeah. James. So <laughs> hopefully we get some more questions we can do. And like I said, I will answer anything as as long as it's not offensive or, uh, or racist, and I will answer it, tru- answer it truthfully. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, everything. I'm, I'm um, an open book, Brent. You know I have like 19,000, I think, uh, Twitter followers. That's not a humble brag, by the way. That was the biggest one I've heard uh, in a long time, actually. But please keep going. <laughs> but, like, so I'm like, ah, that's not bad. Like, I, I don't look at, like, I don't know if I've gained 10 followers in the last day or lost 10. Or actually, after the one guy last night, I probably lost him. Um, <laughs> or did you get into a little bit last night? Well, a little bit. The guy didn't. He's like, why are you asking these questions? We just talked about the draft for four months. So the guy essentially did not want to talk about the draft hours after the Jags had their draft class. Oh, it's probably good thing I didn't see that comment. I, I mean, I probably would have had something smart to say. Listen, to I, I, I know every segment's probably not always the best crafted segment, but I do think it was a no-brainer to talk about the draft on Monday's show. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that part I got. I, I got that part now. Uh, but anyway, my point is, I, I, again, I don't get infatuated with the numbers of uh, tweets. But I looked at LeBron James once he said that last night. He has 42 million followers. 42 million followers. That's a, that, that's a lot of countries worth right there. I mean, that is <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, the reach. The power of kind of what he says, right? I mean, well, you've got to be careful. With, like, see, I don't tweet. There are, I would say there are very few times I tweet something, and as you can probably tell if you follow me, and really think about, like, how's this going to come across? Oh, I'm the worst at that. I, I, just, don't. Oh, yeah. I, just, I just tweet, have fun with it. Sometimes it's personal stuff. Sometimes it's sports <laughs> stuff. Sometimes it's stupid stuff. Okay, yeah. a lot of times it's stupid stuff. Like, I don't, it's not calculated what I tweet. I really don't. Yeah. And I just probably tweet a lot of times because I'm bored. But, uh, <laughs> but if I had 42 million Twitter followers, mm-hmm. you better be calculated oh, you better, about yeah. what you tweet. So uh, so my PR person, when I played for uh, in the NFL for the Jaguars and whatnot, I, uh, I had to run every single tweet by her that I was going to tweet out because she because she knew who I you was. Know, she knew <laughs> how I operated and the, and I like to be witty and I like to you know poke fun at some things sometimes you know I just kind of call it like it is so like every single tweet I had to send her to make sure it got cleared by her so <laughs> there, there were some that didn't get cleared and probably for the best but yeah shout out to Sean Smith for uh, being my Twitter um, I guess colleague I could use one of those right I probably could yeah probably should. Um, but I like all the comments. I, I don't mind, like, the guy that commented last night about the show. I just, like, well, that was a little odd. I mean, like, what would we talk about yesterday if we weren't talking about at the At least draft? he was listening. I mean, at least he was listening. Well, Maybe he's not he going to listen See, that's the other part. See, that's where people get in trouble. He responded to me, like, tweeting during the show. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what, it was about, like, what would you, if you could have had one player that they didn't get, that segment that we did, where, like, he just got drafted right before or right yep. after. They're like, well, why, why did you even bring that up? And... I was like, well, why not? I mean, to me, that was interesting. Like, Paris Campbell? Yeah. Could he have been available? Of course. Who did you bring up? Uh, Well, I brought up uh, Penny Hart. Yeah, Penny Hart. So, I mean, everybody in the draft has that guy like, oh, dang it. Mm -hmm. He just got picked. But 
I, my point, I don't think there were even people. I'm not sure he listened to this segment. I think he just oh, saw, he just the, saw tweet. The, the tweet. Yeah. Oh. So at least listen to the segment. Well, um, but, well, well, at least call in and voice your disconcern. Yeah. yeah. And you can do that, by the way, 904-362-9901. Uh, phone lines always open here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Okay. From that point of how I just can't get over 42 million followers is a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a powerful voice, LeBron James, and he uses it in a lot of different ways. But we also know LeBron James' biggest star in the NBA. Uh, but there are a lot of stars in the NBA. And you brought up a good point. Are there more stars in the NBA than there are in the NFL? So, yeah, I'm going to go to two questions here. So let's tackle the first one quick. Is the NBA right now the best that it's ever been? And I say this with, you know, a a slight sigh because I grew up in the era of Jordan. Like, Jordan was the man. Like, all his posters were on my wall. I grew up idolizing the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. Yeah. And I grew up... You know, just the way that he played. I mean, and back then it was about defense. It was about grit. It was about toughness. Like, if you're going to come to the lane, you better come correct. Like, to me, like, that was the golden era of basketball. But you look at it now and you look at, look at it from the viewership. You look at it from the access. You look at it from the Twitter followers, if you will. And just the household names. I mean, I think it's... And listen, I'm, I want to be the last guy to do this, but I'm just calling it like I see it. I feel like the NBA now is greater than it's ever been just because from the household names from the talent um it, it, i mean you can list the top nba guys it goes on for days and days yeah it, it's interesting you say that here the heyday for me in the nba i watched larry bird growing up every night so mm-hmm. uh larry bird it was 86 it was 87 it was 90 it was 92 michael jordan magic johnson i saw kareem abdul jabbar play a lot of you know all those guys so that era and then I thought, see, this was partially on me, but I do think basketball hit a bad trend in the late 90s once it lost Jordan and Bird and Magic and that group of stars. Jordan helped it for a little bit beyond those guys, but then it hit a trend where it was a bit void of stars. It got the label of thug player in the mm-hmm. NBA because of some of the actions on the court, that whole melee in the stands in Indi- Indianapolis. Yeah. Right? Well, well, it, was, it was in Auburn Hill, right? It was the... I'm sorry. It was Detroit. Detroit. That's in right. The palace. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but it was but, with the but Pacers, But it was with right? the Pacers, yeah. Okay. Ron so Artest, yeah. That whole... Th- that was Ron Artest. Yeah. So did it start get a label? Yeah. The game changed. But mm-hmm. I do... I don't... I think that was probably... I don't know if it was mislabeled. But I think the reason why it was labeled that way so much, one, because of incidents like that, but two, because it was a little void of star power. Mm -hmm. Like, it went from Bird, Magic, Jordan. Three guys that you could argue top five of all time at that time. Mm -hmm. And then it went to... I think just this, Kobe, right? Then well, Kobe comes along. And then let's remember, too, like the teams that were winning, it was the Spurs and, like, you know, Mr. Fundamental Tim Duncan. Like, yeah. listen, I got nothing but respect for Tim Duncan being a former power forward myself. But as far as, like, watching that guy play basketball, I mean, I'd rather take a nap. So you had him. You had the, the Pistons as well. And the Pistons, Pistons I mean, see, I, I love the Pistons because I was a big Ben Wallace guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the Afro and everything. I thought that was great. But from the Pistons standpoint, too, it's not like they had – a big star. I mean, they had Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton. Uh, they had Rasheed Wallace. And, like, collectively, they were good. Yeah. But I feel like no household name. Yeah. And that showed yeah. you that there was a void of star power. Yeah. So to your point, I mean, then you had the Kobe's and the Shaq's, and, and then you started getting them, right? Yeah. And it, the buildup is to LeBron's 
era. Mm-hmm. And now with Durant and Westbrook and Harden. Anthony and Davis. Anthony Davis. Beans, I, mean, I mean, go at Quiet name Leonard, them all. Go, yeah, I yeah. Mean, there are so many good players in the NBA that there are B-level players that I would say from a name recognition standpoint. Heck, maybe C-listers. Yeah. Jalen Brown in Boston. Mm-hmm. Lou Williams, the Clippers. Yeah. I mean. Doesn't even start for them, by the way. I, I mean, these <laughs> guys men. that you're like, who? Who? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really, like the Lou Williams stuff when it came out, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, Lou who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I'm not an NBA diehard. Mm-hmm. And so for me, cat, I, you know, and Marcel's like, give me the, I was like, he's been playing for that long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think there's an element of that. Uh because you have such A-list stars now that we even debate who's the best in the game because LeBron's getting older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have this next tier. Like, Kawhi Leonard's in the A-listers, mm-hmm. but from a name recognition standpoint, he's probably more in the B-list. Agreed. Uh, so that's a that's an interesting category. There's a separation there. Uh, you, again, if you're a diehard NBA guy, you know all these names. You're like, that guy's a star. Stud, stud, yeah. stud, stud, stud. But if you go to the water cooler at work and you say, hey, uh, who's Kawhi Leonard play for? Yeah. Half the people know. True. Right? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So so then let me ask you this. So is this, has the game progressed that much? And can we say that from the days of the Michael Jordan or from your days of Larry Bird, I mean, has the game of basketball progressed so much that we're here now with all these stars, with all these unique talents? Or does social media take part of it, too? And is that why they're so popular now? Yeah, great question. Now, let's take a time out here on the show. When we come back, we'll answer that question. Why are there so many stars? And how the NBA has put themselves in a position from an entertainment standpoint of really capturing not just here in the States, but the globe. And they've done maybe that better than any sport. To be able to capture the U.S. audience and the global audience, the NBA has done it really, really well. I think golf is another one that does it really, really well. Uh, But again, I have one danger zone for the NBA, and it's happened in the last couple of months in this postseason and late in the regular season. And uh, my thoughts on that coming up on ESPN 690. Stay with us. Hey, this is Dennis Anderson, the driver of Grave Digger Monster Truck, the baddest monster truck in the land. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Monster Jam Finals coming up in uh, just another week or so. Not this weekend, I believe it's next weekend uh, down in Orlando. That was a fun conversation. Still see some folks in town. Uh, they say <laughs> they caught that conversation with Dennis Anderson and uh, had a lot of fun with that one. So uh, we appreciate Grave Digger stopping by. Uh, a few weeks back. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Scott here on a Tuesday afternoon in Jacksonville, Florida. And we're talking a little bit about the NBA versus the NFL in terms of star power. And the NBA has a ton of stars right now. Uh, they're playing them up. They've always been a star league. The NFL doesn't necessarily rely on the stars as much. Now, I think that's grown a bit in recent times. One, because of fantasy football. So guys have been made stars that probably wouldn't even be marketed by the teams. But if you score a lot of touchdowns, you become a star. If you're a guy like Maurice Jones-Drew and fantasy football didn't exist, well, people in Jacksonville would know you. They'd love you. They knew you were scoring touchdowns and blah, blah, blah. But people in, like, Portland, Oregon probably wouldn't really know much about you. Fantasy football changed that for the NFL. The other thing with the NFL is guys have helmets on. So the only time you see their faces, the only time you can see that you know them walking down the street would be when you see them with a helmet off on the sideline. And how many cutaways do they do that in a, in a game? 
Um, that's a little bit of a difference between the NBA and the NFL. But I do think the NBA has done a – now, this has hurt them at times because that stretch that I was talking about where it went downhill for a while and, the, and you had to almost rescue the NBA again, because they market stars so much, if you're void of them, well, what are you marketing? And that's what happened when Bird and Magic and Jordan and those guys left until they got had to replenish the star base. Well, now it's awesome because they've got so many to market. You can like the beard. You can like LeBron James. You can like Kevin Durant. You can like Russell Westbrook's game. Dwayne Wade until he just retired. Anthony Davis. All these players. And you know what else you can do because of that? Because you can like so many players, you can also vilify so many players. So it makes them polarizing. And the NBA has taken advantage of the entertainment, I think, audience of their brand, the cool kids, if you will, from fashion to social media platforms. And their global audience is so much of a bigger reach, in my opinion, than than other sports, including the NFL, because basketball is played worldwide. And some of the stars have come over here from World Dirk Nowitzki, for example, Yao Ming. You know, the list goes on and on. So I think there's so many elements of this as we're listing them. But it is fascinating to see how good the NBA is from a star power collision with social media and enter their entertainment brand. It's like this perfect storm, this perfect vision has all come together for the NBA. So is this a knock on the NFL? Oh, I Oh, all right, and we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Mike wasn't on for a second. But so let me go ahead and ask you this question then. Is this a knock on the NFL for how they're handling their business? Because I understand your point. Yes, the NBA, more eyes are on it because uh, I say more eyes, but I say like more eyes are keen to the athletes because they're not wearing the pads. They're not wearing the helmets. So you have a better idea of who they are. But let's be honest here, Brent. The NFL, football is the biggest sport in well. It's the biggest sport in the U.S. Yes. Okay. I mean, the Super Bowl is the biggest event probably in the world, I would say, but definitely in the U.S. I'm not sure where those numbers rank up compared yeah, to, World to, Cup, probably to the World Cup. Cup. Yeah, yeah. But it, but it's up there is my point. It's bigger than the NBA Finals, okay? So is this a matter that do we get so caught up with the X's and O's when we're trying to cover the NFL that we don't really share the player stories as much as maybe the NBA? Because let's be honest, when it, when it comes to terms of the X's and O's in the NBA, it's, okay, well, either they suck at defense and he had a good game or yada, yada, yada. Like you can't really go into too, many, too much breakdowns of a film. And, yeah, some of the experts can do that, but there's only so much you can break down. But in the NFL, I mean, we're always we're critiquing um, quarterback play. We're critiquing coaches' decisions. We're critiquing all this stuff. Stuff that doesn't really get critiqued in the NBA. So do you think that's got something to do with it as well? Yeah, it could. Um, I, I think all these things have a little to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if there's one dominating fashion other than star power. I think it starts with star power. And, uh, you know, I hesitate to say that because to, to say blanket statement no the nfl doesn't do that because they sit there on sunday night football monday night football thursday night football and they tell these guys stories right mm-hmm. they tell these guys stories on thanksgiving day you know we have pre we have more pregame shows about football and postgame shows about football than than anything uh and by the way throw that into another check mark on the nba charles barkley Shaq, those oh, yeah. guys can't beat that it's the greatest pregame show on tv yeah. they have helped 
in some way, shape, or form. They're fun to watch. And you even have to go find it on TNT. Yeah. You know, it's not like well, it's right in front of you on ESPN or ABC, NBC, CBS. And it was one of those things where back in the day, I mean, if it was halftime, you just go, you know, you'd go to the bathroom or you'd get something to eat. You just wouldn't pay attention to the, to the halftime show or the pre-show or the post-game show. But now, the, that's the must-see TV. It feels like I mean, it. you almost have to plan around, like, all right, the, there, there, there's, there's, a, there's a timeout in the third quarter. I'm going to the bathroom because like, I can't miss the post-game. Like, you almost want to see the post-game and halftime show more than the actual game. Yeah, I don't think you can sleep on that part of it. I think there is an element of it. Uh, that's and again, and that's, that's a why great point. You're talking all these, but I think they have the best commissioner in sports right now. From a from a likability standpoint, they sure do. <laughs> He's the only one that doesn't get booed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to that point, and I really hesitate to go here, and that's why I say this isn't a blanket statement. But there have been illustrations of it. Think about some of. There's, say, like an Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr., we don't really know, should we celebrate Odell Beckham Jr. and his star power and his antics and his stuff on the sideline and an ultimate team game? Or do we say, what the heck is this guy doing? I don't want that guy on my team. I can only handle that so much. These, It's the ultimate team game. So do we embrace that stuff? I don't think we ever shove that aside in the NBA. I think we, we talk about it. I mean, we ask the question, is Russell Westbrook, can he win? I mean, it, it, by himself. I mean, I'd say he's, he doesn't feel as much Odell. I'm trying to find the Odell Beckham no, Jr. Yeah. comparison. No, that's a good point. But, I would probably say Russ. I mean. And Draymond Green could be that, but he's not that big of a star. You know, yeah. he's not the best player. So, so there's those elements. Like, do we embrace the stars enough in the NFL because we're not sure it fits into that game? And then I do think you get into a little bit of, and this is where I hesitate to go, a somewhat conservative versus liberal approach in the two sports. Conservative being the NFL squashes a lot of those, some of the, the conversations. They don't want everybody talking about stuff. Heck, Popovich and Steve Kerr will talk about politics and talk about yeah. marijuana and talk about all this. They'll talk about all this stuff. We don't ask NFL coaches about those issues. We don't. No. And again, I'm not saying one is right or wrong, but we don't even bring them up in the NFL. But the NBA, it's like it's like they they're, they need, they're asked to talk about what is going on, sometimes politically, but even pop culturally or trends in our society. And that's unique in sports. I don't, MLB managers aren't asked about that. NFL coaches aren't asked about that. When we come back from the break, you've teased it twice now. You still haven't delivered. And I'm sitting here on, you know, pins and needles just waiting to hear oh, your yeah. response about why do you think the NBA might be in a little trouble. Yeah, I'll tell you that next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Morton, Austin Lane. Scott is here for Coos. We appreciate his services. Thanks for the help all week until Coos gets back. Happy to be here, brother. By the way, when's the, um, uh, the restrictions on talking Game of Thrones? Is it off? I mean, we gave everybody yesterday, right? Uh, 
I mean, what do you want to what do you want to know? <laughs> I don't want to know anything really. I could care less. Yeah. But I just think you guys might want to share a thing or two. Um. So I'm actually good go holding out for it just in case. Yeah, uh, I'm not trying to get some death threats on Twitter, Brent. Man, okay? you guys are so soft. <laughs> what do you want me to do, man? What do you want to know? Ask the question, I'll tell you. Was it good? I, I told you that yesterday. It was decent. Not bad. I mean, yeah, it, it was good. But I had so many high expectations, and not enough people died because I am desensitized now to Game of Thrones, and I need major deaths in pretty much every battle. Why was this so different? It was the biggest episode? battle? Yeah, so in terms of battles, this was the biggest one. Uh, in terms of any movie ever created or any TV show, this was the largest run running time battle scene in the history of uh, of television or cinema. Uh, I think it was the the most expensive production to put on. So there's just a lot of things at it right now. Yeah, like do you does that matter? Uh, I'm, I'm seriously asking. Like, well, it's great that it's the longest battle scene and the most money. But as a as viewer of that, is, yeah. is that what got you hyped? Yeah, absolutely, because this was a giant battle. I mean, you know, Game of Thrones, it is dialogue-driven as well. You know, there's storylines and there's character development. So anytime, especially the first two episodes of this new season, um, they were a little slow. There's a lot of dialogue going on. So all of a sudden, episode three comes around, and you know it's about to go down. Yeah. You like you, you know it's on. It's, it's happening. The time for talk is over. Okay, like <laughs> actions. Now it's actions, and that's exactly what we got with episode three. All right. Well, this uh, also happened to be the longest episode that they filmed to date. Exactly. They had the longest production schedule for the battle minutes. sequence. Yeah. Shot over fifty-five nights in freezing cold temperatures. Yeah. So that was a labor of love and determination to try and put all that together, and it really came through in the execution and delivery on screen. So you did. You think from? Listen, I can appreciate that part. There are a lot of things. That, that are done behind the scenes in a lot of people, a lot of industries. And then you just really, you know, if, if you're a part of that behind the scenes, you're like, you just want people to at least appreciate that part a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the viewer doesn't always appreciate that yeah. from, from whatever, uh, never as much as you will. Mm-hmm. But if he comes across like, that, do you think people appreciated the fact that it was the longest battle scene? It was shot for like six months or the so, 55 nights you're talking about? Or is, is it lost on people? There's two schools of thought, I think. There's the one thought that was like, yeah, that was amazing. That was 80-something minutes of just nonstop chaos. And I'm in that group where my heart was racing for, I mean, I was probably pushing about 140 beats per minute, Brent. Really? For the whole 80 minutes. Yeah, like when I was done, like I was like, I, I didn't need to sleep. Like I was exhausted. But I think some people are going to complain because of the lighting uh, was a little dark for some people's tastes. And I think Scott but the editing on that went a long way to keep it fresh and interesting because they kept cutting away from one scene to the next scene to the next scene. And there's a certain flow and orchestration to it. So you didn't get overwhelmed by any particular part of the story, but you also didn't get so caught up in the pacing that you lost track of anything else. And that's hard to do. That's good visual storytelling. Yeah, that is hard to do because I could see how you almost need a breather. Yeah. Okay, give me a second here. Can I light a cigarette or put a chew in a little bit just to come down a little <laughs> yeah, bit? Take a no. sip of the beer. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're 84 minutes of just nonstop chaos. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not like Endgame where you got three hours and no pee break and deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you couldn't go get popcorn in Avengers? No, but I should have got a new beer because sitting in that 4DX room with the, the, the chairs vibrating. Yeah, my beer's going everywhere. I'm like, <laughs> what kind of experience is this? What? Uh, and it was 20 bucks a pop, Brent. Like, for 20 bucks a pop, I want Iron Man sitting next to me, hold my popcorn. 
I don't want to be in a vibrating chair spill my beer. Okay. No offense to the movie theater. It was a great experience, but just wasn't my taste. Next time, uh, I can arrange that. I'll go in costume and sit next to you if you want. <laughs> now we're talking. Well, I'll I just a, say this. Between Endgame and uh, Game of Thrones this week, it's been a tough week for House Stark across the board. There it is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Dude, but like, how, so let me ask you this question. Like, you see it on Twitter. No, that's you what I saw. I'm like, what is this name but on Twitter? This Don't, don't you want to see what it's all about? Like, don't you want to get involved? I don't know. There's a part of me that uh, I know I am so lost that I have a better role served in society and probably <laughs> on this show than if I maintain my lostness. Um, I can't help this along anymore. I can't even try to be. I'd be trying to catch up with the cool kids so much that it would be obvious. And But I got to be honest with you. I'm a weird cat in a lot of ways. This has zero interest to me. Like, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Like, I really... And, and, I, and I, by the way, and I'm not like, well, you're a moron if you're watching it, or you're a this... I don't get like that. I respect if you guys love it and, and you, you've been paying attention to it, I can appreciate it. I just can't get there. I can't appreciate it to the way everybody else can because it just doesn't resonate with me. Though a lot of TV does. Like, it will, I don't watch uh, TV shows. I mean, yeah, I really yeah. don't. Like, I, you asked me the other day, like, when's the last... T- I don't remember the last show I watched an hour straight of. I just, That's no way to live, Brent. Well, it is. That's, that's, that's kind no of a weird live, life I live in that yeah. sense. But I'm usually working as I'm watching TV, so I'll catch bits and pieces of stuff. Mm-hmm. Even games. I mean, I'll just sit there and watch three hours of games. Yeah. Because we're usually working to some degree. Well, you said that you've seen Brockmire, right? You watch Brockmire or not? The the one on IFC with the baseball announcer? I've a little watched bit. it, but, okay, but I you don't. don't religiously watch okay. it. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, so the thing with Game of Thrones, too, is I remember when season one came out, I wasn't giving it a chance because I'm a person, uh, and everybody just pump your brakes for a second. I've never seen The Lord of the Rings, uh, any of those movies. Um, I've never had, uh, I've never really had the motivation to. Just not for me, not my kind of thing. But the and, Lord of the Rings people think you're, like, not human because you haven't seen it, well, right? Well, yeah, pretty much. But, like, one would think, I mean, because, you know, with the dragons and everything and then the battles, that it does compare to Lord of the Rings. But for whatever reason, with Game of Thrones, I mean, I identify with, with the characters. I, I, I love the character development. And that's that's the thing. Like, yeah, the action's always good. And last uh, last week's episode was fantastic. It was 84-minute battle. But, like, you get so invested in these characters. I think that's what makes a special show. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I, what was... Um Walking Dead was about what? Zombies? Oh, yeah, yeah. Walking Dead, and uh, I'm sure I can get some backup here, too. I'm not sure. We'll see. But Walking Dead, to me, had so much potential. And by, like, the fourth or fifth season, I was so over it, Brent. Like, really? It was just so boring. Because, And that's the thing. And that's what Game of Thrones does so well. Like, yes, there is action scenes, and Walking Dead has action scenes as well. But you stop really caring about the characters in The Walking Dead. At least I did. I, I, I stopped caring. What I don't understand is why do we have this infatuation in our television world or our cinematic world with zombies and <laughs> and whatever the heck is in fantasy Game like dragons and dragons stuff? and stuff sky you got anything like what where does this i'm sorry i'm caught up over here on the production side stuff going on where where, where does this infatuation come with z- zombies and and dragons Oh, man, it's otherworldly stuff. When you're out here doing the day-to-day and then you've got an opportunity to distract yourself with a completely different world, why not jump into it? Yeah. It's it's a, a variation of the same kind of itch why we watch sports entertainment. You know, I'm not going to get out there and slam dunk a basketball. If I did, I'd probably destroy the court when I landed. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's an escapism. It's a chance for me to be caught up in a story that's 
Very, very different from where I'm living my regular life. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's a very good... Uh, that's I, why I, Scott's I, back to... Who's would have said, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's I don't know. I was watching the NBA <laughs> last night. Um, no, that's good. I can get it, right? I mean, yeah. that's why people like E.T. Of course. And aliens and all these different... It's just that modern day of this. Plus, you you put in the technology mm-hmm. and you think of this extra world, this outerly world that really you're not a part of. Yeah. I, I can get that. And, and especially nowadays, though, where there's... So much, there's Netflix, there's who I mean, there's so many options to watch television, and the fact that pretty much the entire world is coming together yeah. over one show, like I, I have a hard time thinking we're going to see that again. Yeah, just but here's the so thing, man. There's so many options. It doesn't mean they're good options. Oh, yeah. that's that's a great point as well. Well, yeah. hey, like sports, social media has helped things like Game of Thrones. Yes, I mean it's it, it, it builds this community. And it's as simple as that. All right, so I teased for two times, and why the NBA? Yeah. Um, here's the danger zone of the NBA. I told you that period of time, right, the Ron Artest stuff, yeah. the officials, the fans, the, the... While we like to see confrontation, we still like to preserve sport. I think there's an integrity to it. So in your sport of MMA, you don't mind getting people beat their brains in and blood and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. In boxing, you see the same thing. In football, you know you're going to see some big collisions, although you hate to see people really get hurt. In baseball, you like to see a bench is clear and ball, but you don't want to see someone swing a bat at somebody or mm-hmm. throw a bat at somebody or throw a baseball 90 mile an hour at a guy's head. That gets uncomfortable. And in basketball, I think there is a line you can cross where we say, okay, it's a little much. Let's just play basketball. Yeah, the street ball's good, and pickup game's good at the Y, and it gets intense sometimes, and everybody complains about officiating, but that's enough. Chris Paul's re- getting fined for not hitting an official, but reaching out an official. Mm-hmm. There's been several examples of player versus official lately. I, listen to these ESPN updates in our show, the <laughs> national updates. I They're hear all about officiating. Mm-hmm. Are we really prefacing every single game now, every big game with officiating? I mean, that to me is lazy. It's an excuse. We're talking about the guy who's officiating game two of this of this basketball game tonight. Mm-hmm. Might have an impact on the game because of who it is and the Rockets don't like him. And it's too much, but that part, I think officiating right now is too prevalent of a conversation in our sports world in general. Mm-hmm. I, well, I don't I do know if, there's a, if it can be overstated like that because it's certainly cause for controversy. If there's a bad call or deliberately missed call, that can have a tremendous outlook uh, impact on things. Take a look at, uh, I mean, you know, a little side-eye towards the Patriots here, but uh, uh, I'm a little bitter and it's been a season and change and I still can't let it go. Miles Jack wasn't down. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, there's that, but obviously the Saints have it too. Listen, there are plays, it's part of it. I think it helps. I think it helps build controversy, but... We don't see what we didn't see in the NFL is a player grabbing an official, mm-hmm. throwing a ball at an official, you know, almost threatening an official. Mm-hmm. In the NBA and in college, because of the coaches' actions, how loud they get sometimes, I think it's a little bit more free to do those kind of things. We never see it now. In, now in Major League Baseball, it's almost a romantic part of the sport, right? Yeah. Where guys get up in each other's face and they spit at each other, and they're yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's the ump and the manager confrontation. I think the NBA has to be a little bit careful because if one guy goes overboard on an official, 
and it's always in the back of our minds, and it's always the subject matter going into these big games that mean so much mm. and mean a lot to these guys. Paychecks don't matter this time of year as much. The, the, the winning does matter. And if there's a guy that crosses the line, if Draymond Green does something that they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe. I think you're in a danger zone of saying, oh, I ain't watching that. You're going to lose me. Look, you're losing me. So mm, we've come yeah. close to those. Th- in the last four months, I think it was Windhorse who brought up all the different things. If you listen to him on ESPN, there was like four or five different incidences incidents revolve, uh, involving players and officials that have become physical. If we go one more step toward that. I think the NBA could be in a real danger zone despite the star power and the, the the thriving nature of the sport right now. So a few points. Number one, you know, yeah, well, the, the officials are going to have a lot more, I guess, direct correlation of the game in basketball than they are in football. Now, yes, we've seen the Saints get screwed over, Jaguars got screwed over, Miles Jack, you know, wasn't down. But overall, we're talking about the sport. I think there's definitely a more um, direct effect from the officials in NBA. Now, you mentioned the point where we love to see the big hits in the NFL, and I would counter-argument saying, well, do we really? Because the NFL is as more popular as it's ever been, and look at all the penalties now and whatnot and in terms of you know roughing the pass or leading with the head. I mean, and listen, I'm an old-school football guy. Right? You know that. Like, I-, I love the big hits. I grew up watching the big hits. NFL Crunch Course, the VHS, had that at our house, man. You saw us throw that on. Um, I forgot who the guy I was talking in the background with the music playing, but uh, I saw the goosebumps to this day watching that. So they took the hits away and whatnot. And I think with the, with the NBA, and you mentioned it, where you know there's there's a uh, there's a lot thinner of a line it seems like between player and ref than there is in the NFL. Like you're never going to see an NFL player put his hands on a ref. If that yeah. happens. I mean. <laughs> Well, good, good luck. Didn't Marshawn Lynch touch the official? Did that happen uh, in that Raiders game? And then he got suspended for a couple weeks, I think might it was. Have been, yeah. I feel like he did. Yeah, I remember hearing something about that. Okay, but so here's my point, though. Bro, we're talking about the NBA here, where what was the, some of the big storylines in the regular season? It was fans touching players, fans shouting racial things to players. It's a different setup. It's a different arena because, I mean, if you want to put them in, in the whole gladiator aspect of these professional athletes let's put them on a pedestal quick the and the nba arena is different than everything because you do have that access you have guys literally playing a foot away from you if you're, if you're in the front row as opposed to you know nfl fans who they're a little more uh, seated back and don't get me wrong they're so altercation sometimes we saw that a couple years ago with the seattle seahawks they come to jacksonville and one of their uh, fans pours a beer on, on a jacksonville jaguars what was it no uh, yeah. uh, other way Jags i'm sorry did. so a jaguars fan pours a beer on a seahawks player and there was that whole thing and you know that happens all the time uh, last week i saw ryan braun from milwaukee brewers get a beer spilt on him by accident i think at a new york mets game so that does happen as well but I'm just saying from from that gladiator arena aspect, there's nothing like basketball where it's just it's up in your face. You have interactions. I mean, you can be sitting front row, say whatever you want to somebody on, on that court, and they're going to hear you. Yeah, yeah. So I think NBA players, man, got to play with a little more of an edge, got to play a little more on tilt just because of their environment that they're, 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 they're around by. And don't, don't make no mistake about it, Brent. Like, the whole malice at the palace thing, it was unfortunate. And the NBA was definitely in the wrong. I mean, Ron Artesha never went in the stands and, you know, punched somebody. Same thing happened in the NHL way, way back ago with the Toronto Maple Leafs, where the Maple Leafs hopped, uh, hopped yeah, the Dutchess and went the yeah. I mean, and, and that's hockey, don't get me wrong. But 
And I don't know what that fan said to, to run our test. There's no excuse to punch a fan. But I'm just saying, I mean, you got to understand those NBA players could play a tilt sometimes, too, just from the way the arena's set up. Yeah, and I don't know if it's going to be fan versus player, although that would be detrimental, too, but usually detrimental to the one star. I think if we continue to pound officiating, 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 and there's an official player confrontation that, that goes over the top, I think it could be really... Listen, the players never win on that side. You know why? Because they're making a gazillion dollars, and the rest are doing a job that is viewed is viewed as a blue-collar kind of job. And so they don't win. And that's and the other thing is if we all we talk about is in, in the NBA now is going to be officiating all the time. And every game, every playoff game, I'm talking about did they call this play? Did they call the three put? Did he move his feet in front? Did he jump three feet forward? Well, then we're taken away from what it should be the most celebrated part of the NBA right now. And that's the amount of good players they have in the NBA. That's the amount of the star power. Well, you minimize the star power, the star reach, if you're talking about the zebras all the time and is this a right call or a non-call. It's a fine line. I think it's why the Super Bowl, I've said it multiple times, the Super Bowl was boring because we didn't really utilize replay. We didn't have controversy. So you need an element of it. Mm -hmm. But you can also have too much of it. And the NBA right now, it feels like in this last week or so, and really the last few weeks, if you look at some of the player ref confrontations, I think it's getting a little over the top, and it sounds. I only want to hear it so much. I'm tired of hearing about the referees. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. It's like, listen, we all, anybody who played sports knows, officiating comes into play. Sometimes you get screwed. Sometimes you get a break. Yeah. Go play the game. And I think we're talking way too much about the officiating right now. But and we have to keep in mind though too. Do you, I think officiating is a direct correlation of why the, there's so much success in the NBA? And here's my point. Back with the MJ days, back with the Carl Malones and whatnot. I mean, guys weren't putting up. 50 points a game. Like, I mean, there's a couple guys, but nowadays, the way the style is played, where the, everything's so ticky-tack, 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 I mean, guys are getting set up to score at least 30 points a game if you're a superstar, you know? So I think, and you know, if, if, if the game of football or basketball or any sport, has, even, even hockey, if, if they showed us one thing, it's the fact that people love to see goals, people love to see touchdowns, and people love to see points, whether it's on the free throw line or whether it's from behind the arc. As long as you're scoring points, people are going to follow along. So I think the game overall, too, with the NBA, of the way the ref calls it now, where, um, you know, there is ticky-tacky stuff, and especially that goes with the star players, the James, the James Hardens, you know, the... the uh, I guess the King James, too. But you got to think about LeBron James. I mean, he is not really a finesse player. I think he's more of the power guy. Yeah, so, yeah. But, I mean, James Harden's a prime example. You know, he's getting every single call. So I think, I mean, yeah, while I would say the refs need to watch out as well, we need to be easy in the officiating. The officiating is kind of the reason why I think the NBA took off so much is at the same time. Yeah, it, uh, I think it's good for water cooler. It's good for, we talked about it yesterday, it's good. But I think there's an element of too much. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Because right now we're talking about when we're doing Sports Center updates on who the official is in game number two. <laughs> yeah. I think it's too much. Yeah. I don't care who the official is. Hey, man, if you're know. on the quarter, you're on the field, you matter. Yeah, I want to. <laughs> yeah. But the official isn't supposed to matter. Remember, exactly. the age old thing is that that official is supposed to be like an offensive lineman. You don't talk about him. And then he did his job well. Exactly. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. That's the truth. That's just yeah. the, that's the way it is. In that position and in that job, Same thing that's the way it is. Field goal kicker, a long snapper, name your position. Yeah. 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 You know, and we talk about it a lot right now, especially going in uh, to these big game twos in the NBA tonight. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back on ESPN, it's 6 and 90. How about a little balling and falling? Plus, my buddy Martin Buckley stops in from Palm Beach Autographs next. This is Action Sports.
Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. And welcome back here on a Tuesday edition Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Draft hangover, certainly in place. All drafted out. Now it's just time to get to work. By the way, rookie minicamp will be May 10th to the 12th for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so they'll get on the field. I, I don't think we'll see too much there. OTAs start uh, up shortly after that. I think it's May 21st. And then uh, mandatory minicamp, which will be interesting to see. I think we'll get Jalen Ramsey here. Will we get Telvin Smith here? Uh, could be uh Something to note. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Scott in for coups, pushing all the right buttons. And my man Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs checks in. What's up, man? What's up, guys? How you doing? We are doing fantastic. You've been all over the place. Caddyshack last week. Y- you yes. were You were like on some island a couple weeks prior <laughs> drinking some uh, Vita de Luis tequila. Yes, I certainly was. I brought the girls. Uh, we went on vacation and had a great time. What? Uh, and then you got a big event coming up Sunday. Top yeah. Golf? Yeah, we're doing a big event on Sunday with Top Golf, and um, uh, I was fortunate enough. I've been with Blessings in a Backpack now for about a year. I joined the board a little over six months ago. Um, it's just awesome efforts here in North Florida to make sure that kids go home on the weekend with a backpack full of food, nutritious food, and um, we're serving over 4,000 kids right now in Northeast Florida. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, isn't uh, it Furek? Was or is still, is he still heavily involved in that? Yeah, Jim and Tabitha both yeah. are. They're great supporters. Yeah, I thought so. They're event uh, funnels to, to support them as well. Uh, so what, what's the event on Sunday? How so do on you Sunday, we're doing the Fancy Pants Fiesta. Oh. So it's Cinco de Mayo. You're going to fit right in here. We're going to slide right in very well. <laughs> We're going to have Vita de Louis specialty drinks. Shameless plug right there. Absolutely. But, Get as um, many as you can. <laughs> Happy so, hour horn just a half hour away. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's going to be a great event. It's a lot of fun. We're going to be hitting some golf balls. We're going to have Palm Beach Autographs is going to have a silent auction out there. Um, you know, it's just a great fundraiser to help raise much-needed uh, money for some really, really good efforts. What's the time? Uh, it is from fi- uh, 5 until 8. 4 until 8. 4 until 8. Yeah. So in the afternoon, uh, yep. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you can go to, um, yeah, exactly. So you can come out, you can ha- you know hit some golf balls, and then you can go out and celebrate Cinco de Mayo even after that. It's a great way to start your Cinco de Mayo is what we've been kind of telling people. Really good. Um, huh? And then if you want to get tickets, you can still, uh, we still have some room available, not a ton, but we do still have uh, room available at First Coast Blessings in a Backpack on Facebook. And we have a link right there so people can just link it, and there's varying uh, you know, if you want to get a whole bay and bring people out, you can do that. Or if you just want to come out and hang out and do, you know, have a couple of drinks and do some bidding, you can do that as well. Good deal. Good place to hang out uh, at Top Golf Sunday afternoon from four to eight. Go check that out and uh, be a part of it. Help a good cause here in uh, in Jacksonville. I've got a buzz sticking to you today. Oh boy! I was like, uh, Dave Matthews Band's coming tomorrow. Said, don't you go to like every concert knowing the band? <laughs> so it's funny. <laughs> Are I you going to be there? I, of course. Yes. <laughs> How many easy. times have you seen Dave Matthews? Um, this will be. You know, uh, a buddy of mine's a huge Dave Matthews fan. He's seen him like twenty, twenty-five times. This will be my third. Okay. Oh, that's so, that's low. Yeah, that's a low number. But I'm checking out. I'm digging. You guys are really, you're making yourselves at home here. I well, like not, it. No, I am. I you am. are. Yeah, yeah. Dude. Br- Brent's like that, you know. He's dragging the, his feet. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's basically kind of like, like a dorm room in college here. And uh, I'm the guy that, uh, 
you know, that make myself up at home. And Brent's the guy that's got a girlfriend that's never around <laughs> that doesn't put up anything. And basically, I have the whole room to myself. That actually hey. sounds like college for me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I bet it did. You had the girlfriend for Austin. sure. That ended up becoming your wife. What do you got, man? This obviously is the number one item that grabs my attention right here. You okay. a Brothers fan? Uh, they're my favorite band. I actually named my dog after them. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah so I just yeah. went and saw them. That was my third time seeing them down at St. Augustine in the amphitheater. Of course, of Did course. I was not at that one, unfortunately. Right, well, we're going to go to the next one. Sold. Yeah, uh, yeah so they the, were amazing. So the, so the one that uh, we're pointing at. So you can go see Avid Brothers or Casey Musgraves at St. Augustine Ooh, Amphitheater. Yeah, so, uh, I'm, I'm, thinking, uh, <laughs> I'm going to Casey. That, that That's my girl, too. Well, thank you, man. Can <laughs> Casey come in here, please? We talk some sports with Casey Musgraves. Get her in the show. She's coming. What do you need to do? She's coming back to You're the one that's bringing out 18,000 or 19,000 Twitter followers. I only got like 10. I got 9,000. But uh, so yeah, so, so you're pointing at the Avid Brothers poster here from Madison Square Garden. Awesome. I was not at that show, but I had to get my hands on one of those the posters because poster. yeah, I appreciate that. And they're uh, they're selling pretty high right now on eBay. Oh, I so, bet that's yeah. a killer poster. I think you man, I appreciate it. So, Casey's yeah. coming back. You got to get her on. I know. She's coming to St. Well, I'm trying to. She's coming in October. Yeah, I know. We got to make that happen. Oh, it's for so a show. I'm planning already and stuff. Oh, man. We're, we're making this happen. I'm getting all worked up here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, so my brother is blushing over there. It's unreal. He loves Musgrave. He loves she's, her. She's legit. I'm telling you, he likes her so much, I think that he, she might be scared to come on. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes we the restraining we order. We can't oversell this. <laughs> so I got to ask you, man, as, as a gentleman that is you know involved with sports memorabilia, one of the biggest questions I have for you is the Jaguars got Josh Allen. Yeah. Great, great first-round pick, um, a guy that kind of fell in their lap, very talented guy. But, but as a guy in the sports memorabilia business, do you prefer to see offensive guys, um, you know, get drafted in the first round? Because I feel like the quarterbacks or like the receivers probably sell a little better than the defensive guys. Is that an accurate assessment? You know what you're talking about. I'm trying to, man. Yeah, I'm man. Still trying to learn. Yeah. We'll hire you. <laughs> Deal. Let's do it. That's exactly right. I think, I think an extension of that kind of comes with um, fantasy football too, oh, and people point. being, you know, oh, this guy killed it for my team. You know, I like Odell Beckham because he gets me a bunch of points. I like Aaron Rodgers. The offensive positions, the running backs, the, the wide receivers, uh, the really popular top couple, tight ends, the quarterbacks. Um, but this guy is an exciting defensive player. So what we would basically do is we'll kind of wait and see what happens this year. If he has a big moment, if he gets a big sack and there's an awesome photo of him laying somebody out, you know, we'll bring him in for sure. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Who? Uh, how much from a draft perspective, give me the top marketable guys, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, that goes back to college with the Heisman Trophy. So yeah, he kind of has both. But will um, they do some Bo? I think we talked about this at one time before. Could they do some Bo Jackson kind of things, or will they leave baseball alone? Um, that's interesting. I could see somebody. He'll sign an exclusive. Somebody will sign him, um, and I could see somebody doing that. You know, I don't know if I should say it. I've always wanted to kind of do that with Timmy. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. especially with T-Bow, T-Bow nose. Yeah. So, oh, I like that. Yeah. Did you just copy that right there? I know. Hurry up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually online Whoops. right now getting that reserved. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That, who else? Uh, anybody else uh, come uh, to know, mind? You know, obviously the quarterbacks, but I think a lot of it's going to basically 
I think a lot of it's going to kind of be wait and see on them. Um, I'm trying to think of... Because you're right, there's a ton of defensive players. Those were the stars of this draft. Yes. And so quarterback-wise, I mean, Daniel Jones is not an excitable guy. <laughs> no, he's just no. not. And I'm certainly like, there's nobody you know, in New York right now that actually wants any of his stuff yeah. from college. Let's be honest, Brent. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly right. right. So yeah, you, nobody wants that. Dwayne Haskins will play. Ohio State's fan base is huge. Haskins, I think, will be of, of interest and intrigue. He's um, a good one. Yep. But not like Carlo Murray, in my opinion. And even from the offensive guys, we didn't have a receiver picked, I don't think, until the second round. Yeah, no one's the jumping. tight ends, right? It was Hawkinson, who, by the way, he's not like big personality guy. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting draft from that standpoint. I don't know who people are going to latch on to, but I will tell you this. Of the 24 guys, and I've said this multiple times now, that we saw Wednesday pre-draft and that were at the draft in Nashville last week, I thought Josh Allen and Ed Oliver were the best personality guys, the guys that people could kind of fall in love with a bit, especially if they perform well. Yeah, I saw all the interviews with Josh. He was killing it. Yeah. He did a great job. So, uh, and, we, and we also, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because that's something that we think of too. You know, you want a guy, somebody's going to come out to the store and get a chance to meet. You want somebody to be personable. You want somebody that's going to be fun-loving and have a good time, right? Yeah. You don't want somebody just kind of sitting there not saying anything. Well, and here's my next question. So the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted Gardner Minshew uh, and the six-round quarterback from Washington State. And he's already kind of being like this folk hero, it seems like, on Twitter. You know, like all the fan base is immediately gravitating towards him. He used to have the mustache. He's got the crazy yeah. style. He's got the crazy personality. <laughs> I mean... How how vital is that as well? Because I mean I understand. I mean he's not gonna probably start over folds. Let's be honest here. But I mean from a from a standpoint of maybe selling some merchandise, like would fans just get some stuff based off his personality, just based off of who he is? Because I go on Twitter right now and that's everyone's talking about Gardner Benchu. That's, that's it. Absolutely, dude. You're two for two. It, the aside from an autograph, the number one thing now that we that we see really in our industry. When you're out and about, what does everybody want now? They don't want an autograph. They want a selfie. Yeah, yeah. So he's a great guy for the fans to kind of come out and get it. You know, you know, maybe he dresses like yeah. we've seen in some of these photos. Yeah. And then people can put that on social media. And so, yeah, I mean, that definitely plays a big part to it. You have a jorts day with him of some sort. So, I mean, <laughs> I love it. You got to sign jorts. Yeah, you got to play that up. So that's interesting. Like, do, do you think people would rather have a selfie than an autograph right now? Yeah, I do. I think there's, I think there's, you're actually starting to see at some of the shows where they'll have price, you know, signature fee, professional photo fee, and then a selfie. Really? Obviously, there's a demographic, right? That probably trends more towards millennials and, you know, younger people that are more uh, apt to taking a good selfie. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I do. I think. Makes sense. Yeah. Because then you can shove it out on Facebook and Instagram and everyone else say, hey, look, I just saw. We've even seen people do, uh, there's somebody, um, it's a special teams guy. I can't think of his name. I'll think of it where he uh, he kind of started the, uh, like, he'll sign your selfie. So you know how you can go into your notes? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, and you yeah, can sure. open up the photo? Yeah. Yep, yeah. So you just sign it. Yeah. And so he'll there take a selfie, and then he started doing that, and that kind of became a thing. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, we got to take a quick time out. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. More to come. Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs uh, talking about this draft class and how marketable it might be here in Jacksonville. And beyond, and uh, we do have Ballin' and Fallin'. So think of one, Martin. Ballin' and Fallin'. Coming up next on ESPN 6 Night. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. All right. Got a question on the... Uh, Social media platforms. 
Should the Jags have made number 89 unavailable for at least five years? Mercedes Lewis, Josh Oliver will wear number 89. Should there have been a reverence to Mercedes Lewis with number 89 for as long as he was a Jacksonville Jaguar? Well, here's the follow-up question. Does he belong in the pride? Did you just uh, ask answer a question with a question? Well, <laughs> Are you like my wife? Yeah, I, I, well, that's a, I mean, I'm not going to say it's offensive because your wife's awesome. But, like, dang, Brent. Way to pick, that up. Way to pick uh, that up. Thank you very much. Hall of Famer. Famer, by the way. Well, I think, I mean, you have to ask yourself the question is, does he deserve the Hall uh, Does he deserve the, <laughs> the Hall of Fame? <laughs> no. To be in the pride of the Jaguars. <laughs> Does he deserve to be in the pride of the Jaguars? Nah, I don't think nah, so. I don't think so. Either. So, yeah, I think that's... Um... By the way, my answer to this question, and I appreciate the uh, the question on, on <laughs> social media, yeah. is no. I don't think he... I don't think they're 89. I, I don't think they needed to hold it for five years. I, by the way, it's been you a year. Hold, I mean, no, I mean, I mean it's just a rare circumstance. I, I mean, he goes in the line with, to me, like Brad Meester. Because of his longevity. Meester was really good, probably underappreciated, um, but he wasn't a perennial Pro Bowler. He wasn't a Hall of Famer. Uh, Mercedes Lewis had the Pro Bowl year. I think he did a lot of good things. I think he got criticized probably at times more than he needed to be. He's maybe the best blocking tight end in the NFL uh, all those years, even though he wasn't catching passes like Kelsey and Gronk and all these other Jimmy Graham. Uh, But he was really good. But he wasn't great. And I, I don't think... They needed to hold the number. I don't think the pride of the Jaguars. Uh, now, I do think for Meester, pride of the Jaguars could exist someday because he holds the record for games played in the organization. And I'm not sure that will be topped. Not this day and age, especially where guys move all the way around. So, well, yeah, I don't, I don't think Mercedes Lewis, 89, uh, here comes, been a fo- here comes another follow-up question for you since you're so about them. Yeah. Um, I like answers more than questions. What are your thoughts about Maurice Jones Drew, number 32? Yeah, I think in time. But I'm saying yeah, right now. I mean, one in. Oh, so, hold but, the, no, 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 I'm saying, hold the number. yeah, hold the number. Because I'm looking right now, and I think there's a 32 on the Jaguars. Somebody could take 32. Oh, there might have. Yeah, I, yeah I, don't, I wouldn't have a problem with somebody wearing number 32. And it might have already happened. I don't even know. Okay. Uh, maybe it hasn't happened. It's been, what, now, for a good five years for Maurice since he's been gone. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, even longer, because he was in Oakland for a little bit after that. Yeah, so, yeah. listen, yeah. at Florida, they don't hold Tim Tebow's number back. Yeah, that's <laughs> a couple of 15s floating around. Well, they, they also got 100 guys. Yeah, they, do. they can't hold numbers. Same thing Murray State, man. Someone's rocking that 9-7 the very next year. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> you better believe yeah. it. Number nine. What, what number were you in, in uh, college, high school, 21. whatever? 21 was well, your number? 18 when I was a kid because I was a huge Daryl Strawberry fan. Okay. And uh, then uh, his career kind of took a little turn, but uh, but he's turned it around. But uh, And then I, a huge Roberto Clemente fan. So um, moving forward after that, I always wore 21 just because I thought he was such an awesome human being. I would have liked uh, – I would have had trouble getting Daryl Strawberry's number, 18. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one left my memory. He was the man. You had a stack yeah. of Daryl Strawberry cards when you were a kid, though. I'm sure of it. Oh yeah, no, no. Daryl <laughs> Strawberry is unbelievable, yeah. but I just I didn't. The number eight, that's a weird number for yeah. a baseball player. Yep. Probably few guys have wore 18. I'm trying to think. Not a lot of 18s out there. There you go. Throw it out there to Twitter. Somebody will get back. I always do that when I, whenever we play golf. I always look at the golf cart and, and then see, see which the number, number yeah. and then I try to think of. Yeah, yeah. To, that's a good way to yeah. do it. Uh, all right, hey, you got a little balling today, oh, or what? I, I got a balling, Brent. I got a big uh-huh. balling, if you will. Uh, Texas, Excuse me. Uh, the Texas high school <laughs> team by the name of Matthew Bowling, also known as 
the White Lightning. Yeah. Ran a 9.98 100-meter dash. I wrote this down for balling, so I'm going to call an audible. That was insane. Okay. Uh, that's .40 behind the world record set by Usain Bolt. So four tenths of a second off that the world record. That dude fly, man. That's insane. Uh, all right, let's be honest. Here we go. Here, here is the part where we get shut down. I can't wait. Let's <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring a race into the mix. I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If this gets uncomfortable for you, Martin, you can can't step wait. out. Sorry. <laughs> but if I told you there was a high school kid that ran 9.98 in the 100 meters. Yep. Go Here, on. Continue. And where's, he, where's he from? Is he from Iowa or he's from Texas? <laughs> and he's from Texas. Okay, he's from Texas. Go ahead. All right, keep going. Would you have think he was a Caucasian? <laughs> I'm going to answer not, this for everybody. Not in a million years, Brent. <laughs> not in a million years, sir. How, I, don't, I know. I, is that some type of right, racism that I just brought up? Uh, well, let's be honest, Brent. No. Sprinters have traditionally been... Black or African American, so that's not racist at all. You're just uh, you're calling it like it's you an see observation. it. It's an observation for sure. Now, does this I mean, guy play like, football? It's like the Grayson Allen dunk well, that he throws down. My question is: Does this guy play football? Like, is this guy like another Jason Seahorn, perhaps, uh, yeah. at the corner? I mean, or what's his name in Carolina? Can we get some more information about this guy? What's he doing in Carolina? Uh, the running back. Why can't I think oh, of his name? Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I was good thinking call. Sam McGuffey. Oh, man, Michigan. I remember Dude, those highlight films. That was insane. On YouTube. The best. Yeah, but, I mean, balling for sure. That's pretty good that's stuff. Balling. It's insane. All right, Teddy, hey, you remember the Auburn pitcher Casey Mize? Uh, number one pitcher, yeah. uh, number one pick a couple years yep. ago, threw a no-hitter yesterday in Double uh, A. so that would be uh, my balling. Okay. Is, uh, Casey Mize, no-hitter. Uh must be something about double A. Double A, I like I gotta get a major leaguer in here or a minor leaguer, a professional guy in and say, What's the hardest classification going to the bigs to hit in? They'll say double like, A. The jumbo shrimp score like one and a half runs a game. <laughs> I mean they seriously do. They don't score. And this is not just this year. Yep. This is like we're going on like four years of it. Oh yeah. I mean they don't they do not score. Wow, they, See, you're really selling a, the Jumbo Shrimp ticket right now, bro. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're right, man. It's fact. I mean, they yeah. don't, and I think it's around the whole double-A thing. Double-A is the hub now. That's where the talent, I mean, you're starting, remember when we were a kid, you'd play single-A, then double-A, then go to triple. Yeah. And then you'd play to triple-A, and then you go up. You see guys, if you're accelerating at double-A now, you go straight to the bigs. You That's don't even right. need triple-A anymore. So your, mm-hmm. your point in that is the big pitchers. They keep them there. Are they right there? That's where most of the town is, specifically in the Southern League, because it's warmer. So that's why you see a lot in Jacksonville, because they want to keep the guys in warmer weather. That's it. You know, I never really thought about yep. the, the actual warmer weather part of yeah. it. Yeah. Huh. That's why a lot of teams go out west now, too. The Dodgers and all those teams yeah, that kind of moved out there. Yep. But I didn't think of that part of the equation. That's why I'm here, buddy. Yeah, that is. That's good right there. All right, fall, and then we got to take a break. Well, does he have a ball in as well? I don't know. Do you have a ball? You got a ball in? I'm going to go, I'm gonna go uh, I think it's a couple days past, but... Dude, Al Horford had a great night the other night. Yeah, he did. Former Gator. <laughs> what happened? Oh, boy. He's a Milwaukee fan. Should I go? <laughs> Are we no longer friends? What about the Avid Brothers? No, what, what about Casey Musgrave? <laughs> Who are the Avid Brothers? Never heard of them. <laughs> that wasn't even a setup. Now. That was awesome. <laughs> I feel like I've been set up. No, so, it wasn't a setup. Just kind of quick set the story here. Uh, yes, I'm a Bucks fan. And uh, so, so, so there's a there's a guy from my gym who's going for the Celtics. So we placed a little bet, and uh, you know, at an MMA gym, man, there's banter back and forth. Oh, and, sure. And my whole thing was the fact that who's going to stop Giannis? You're going to put a 50 year old Al Horford oh, on Giannis, no. and what happens? Well, I yeah. get a text message of a video uh, of Al Horford not 
rejecting Giannis not once but twice yeah, in the span of like three insane. seconds. So Greek freaks yeah. the man. I love him too. No, yeah, he's fantastic. But yeah, Al Horford, man, turning back to the, the hands of time, I guess. <laughs> All right, hey, we gotta take a timeout. When we come back, we'll do fallen. One more little note on balling. Jamal Charles, Jacksonville Jaguar, great. For about a minute. <laughs> oh, Brent, the, the guys retiring, you're going to slam them like that? Come on, He's fantastic man. in a Jags uniform. <laughs> uh, and he secured, he secured his mark that he'll leave on the NFL. Yards per carry. Best of all time. Wow. Hey, Jamal, I know we're former teammates, so <laughs> don't pay attention to my co-host, Brent Marno here, man. I got nothing but respect and love for you. Legendary, Congratulations. Legendary Jaguar and Chief. Oh, man. Happy retirement to Jamal Charles. Fallen when we come back on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and in the TuneIn Radio app. All right, we got five minutes before we hit the top of the hour. And by the way, in the next hour, I do want to talk about hot-button issue, on at least on Twitter it was over the weekend. 91% of the athletes that were drafted, someone tweeted, played multiple sports in high school. And my comment to that was, here we go again. This is everybody's favorite argument. And I think it's such a blanket argument to say... All these guys played both, and and, and the, see what the argument is is against specialization. And I want to talk about it in the next hour because I think it's not a it's not a good Twitter argument. It's not a good. It is too many tentacles to it. And I think people just blanket statement. They say, "Hey, the one percent athlete keeps telling me to play multiple sports, and you can make it to the big leagues." <laughs> yeah, nah, nah, I don't think that's how it goes. That's the one percent athlete telling you that. And also, I would argue that those football players sure as hell did specialize in football. You know what they did? Weight room, workouts, seven-on-seven, spring practices. They play football a lot during the course of the year, not just on Friday nights in high school and practices during the week. So I'll get into that at 5 o'clock because I think it's an interesting I, I don't know if it's just – I know it's more than just interesting to me because I think so many of us have kids. It's really interesting to me right now because, well, I have 14-year-old kids, so we're kind of like right there at it. But I, I I like – sometimes I'll be critical of the travel ball stuff in our society now, but I also like elements of the travel ball stuff. Uh, so we're going to talk about it a little bit in the 5 o'clock hour. Some thoughts on that. You'll be uh, more than welcome to call in 904-362-9901 or hit us up on uh, social media. But before we do that, let's wrap up with Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs. What are we doing our show uh, uh, from Palm Beach Autographs? A little uh, signing, celebration of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Man, we got to book this thing soon. I love it. Open invitation. You guys are always welcome. Where do we go again? We go right outside the store there at Avenues Mall? Yeah, we could we, Well, we could set you up inside or outside. I mean, obviously, we have to take into consideration the crowd. Yeah, this is going to be... We, do we need extra security? Entire security. Security is going to have to come in. Yeah. Yeah, no. We'll what sp- about the groupies? We can, we, we'll have a special room, Brent. Um, do we have to have a dress code for the woman that will come? <laughs> I think it meant for us. I'm like, I'm not wearing that polo shirt anymore because you never wear yours. So I'm going to stop wearing mine until you start wearing yours again, Brent. What do you think about that? 
Uh, you guys are sure. always welcome whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what you got for Fallen, Austin Lee? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice transition. Uh, Fallen. <laughs> I'm going with ESPN the magazine coming on. Yeah, how about you know, that? It's something that I grew up with as a kid. Um, I, had, I had a bunch of like the cover photos on, on my wall when I was in grade school and high school, and uh, I'm kind of bummed because now I can't do the ESPN the body issue and I can't do the tattoo <laughs> issue as well. That's something I wanted to do. I wanted to do the body issue or the tattoo issue. I didn't know they had a tattoo issue. Yeah, there was a tattoo issue as well. Uh, they, they didn't do it every single year, but like every other okay. year. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. You know, it's a... I guess it's kind of a staple in journalism. I might be narrow-minded, but I still don't really quite understand the body issue. Okay. Well, Brent, I guess if you're back in the 1990s and you just like your boring sports stories uh, and you don't like to admire fired. someone's, you know, physique... Brent, the whole issue of the uh, the whole the whole thing in the body issue is to appreciate different types of athletes' bodies because we're so prone to seeing you know the, the muscular, the cut guys of the NFL or of the NBA. But there's other sports out there. There's shot putters. There's there's baseball players like Prince Fielder who you know was on, was on the cover of it. And um, I think it's something cool to get behind because not only one does it inspire people, but it also shows that an athlete can be any kind of body type, any kind of size. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going on my campaign now, it sounds I think, like. No, that I'm, sounds pretty good. That's yeah. a good explanation of it. I just figure I'll go to the beach instead if I want to see that. Okay, <laughs> Austin Brent. Lane, body positive 2020. Let's do it, man. Let's go. <laughs> hey. I want your vote. <laughs> we are not doing a body issue, I can tell you that. <laughs> Here's my follow real quick. Greg Popovich. Dude, just retire, man. You're a great coach. Why do you have to sign another three-year deal? Why do people want to coach forever? What's wrong with Greg Popovich coming back? Do you know why people want to coach forever? Because it's coaching. Because he's not playing in the game. You can coach as long as you want to coach. No, I like Pop. I really do. I, just I think it. everybody does. I root for these guys to retire. I root for the Bob Stoops to go somewhere. What do you want him to do, Brent? Do what do you want Greg Popovich? What do you think he's going to do, though? Yeah. You think he's going to sit around and just... Go golfing. Yeah, he be. Hey, on the beach. Won't be good as an analyst. <laughs> I can see him being an activist. Hey, you got a fallen? Yeah, it pains me to say this, man. You know I'm a Marlins fan through and through. Yeah. The one in North Florida, the Marlins as a whole, man, eight and twenty. Mm. Their top prospect that they got for Christian Yelich just got demoted. Not looking good. Not it's gonna good. be. It's gonna be a long three, four years for the Florida Marlins. Hey, Jack's Refrigeration having a grand opening. Hey, Mark man. Lowry, is he listening right now? Mark and, and the, the whole gang at Jack's Refrigeration, they're doing their um, groundbreaking for their new offices. I'm leaving there after this. Going to have uh, some VDL with them. And yeah. Good stuff. Palm Beach autographs. See Martin. Go visit him in the Avenues Mall. And we got Happy Hour Horn next, plus a little conversation about the specialization on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Look at all this cloud cover all of a sudden. It was a beautiful day earlier. Mm hmm. I got to be honest with you. Go ahead. I got my hair cut yesterday. Can't they tell cut it kind of short. Can't tell because you're wearing a hat. I cut it kind of short. Oh, you're a little self-conscious. I didn't. No, uh -huh. no. Nope. Uh, had the beard going for <laughs> yeah. a little bit before until last week. Mm -hmm. So between the beard and the haircut, mm -hmm. I feel like I lost about 10 pounds. <laughs> so now I'm not sure I really need this workout regimen. Okay. Yeah, forget it. Screw it. Yeah, we're all good. You look great. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Hair and, hair and beard. I could care less how I look. It's about how you feel. Exactly. Without a doubt. And there are days that you feel like you put on 12 pounds overnight. Yeah. And then there are days that you feel like 
you lost five pounds overnight. True. Today's one of those days. It was a beautiful day out. Mm-hmm. Go for a little walk with yeah. all the fame wife. Yep. And uh, simple as that. Hey, you start. know what that sounds like? What? That sounds like a great introduction for this. <laughs> <laughs> Dave from Dave Matthews. He drinks tequila in the morning. Uh, grabbing drinks, getting shots, tipping star thunders. Uh, grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star thunders. That's not good. I, well, dude, that's I, not I, good. I don't know Dave Matthews. So that's all I know is that one song. It, it sounds something like it. It's like, I, hey, really? You're not a Dave Matthews guy? I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, it's all right. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've listened to some you tracks. You know what's interesting about Dave Matthews, man? It's like, I don't think... Do you like Jack Johnson? Yeah, I like I, I dig Jack Johnson. So I kind of put those in, the, I, and I have no idea because I'm like a musical moron. <laughs> so I, I don't really know if they, I, I'm not saying they fit the same genre or whatever, but I feel like they are the same in terms of they're very talented and can appreciate be appreciated off uh, all genres, demographics, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. You know, yeah, you can you they're wind up on the same playlist. What's that? They'd wind up on the same playlist. Would they, would they do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Okay. Um, so, I, and I kind of thought so, but I just feel like they're really talented musicians, mm-hmm. and people appreciate that so much yeah. that they like to listen to that music. No, I mean, I'm, 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 I have nothing against Dave Matthews. I've never seen him. Uh, but that shocks uh, me. Like, you're supposed to be the cool guy on this show. Yeah. And Dave Matthews is cool. Yeah. Or he was. I guess, I guess it depends who you ask. I guess he was. He's not cool I mean, anymore. I guess he's cool. I don't know. So, okay. I'm going to show you straight, Brent. There's a perception with, like, bands like Dave Matthews or OAR that it's, like, frat boy music. And that's one group of thought. Huh. That's just... That's not me saying that, because I, I respect Dave Matthews, like you said. He has a bunch of talented musicians. And uh, I grew up with his music, so I'm not hating on it whatsoever. Same thing with OAR. But there is a perception. Just saying. All right. Interesting. I yeah. didn't know that perception existed. Yeah. Scott, so study do, that do you know that perception or not? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's yep. a little Scott something. Knows, it's, uh, and some people call it dad music now. Mm-hmm. It's jazz music. It's, it's stuff that you can relax to. It's stuff that's got a great beat. It's stuff that's acoustic and uncomplicated to listen to. Yeah, I you would know, it's, say. It's complex music, but it's easy going to listen to. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, I would say that I think I'm probably, maybe I am getting a little older, though, because mm-hmm. it is a little bit more dad music now. I mean, I, it's no shame it doesn't in that. feel that old. It doesn't feel old school, but it's getting it's getting a little older. Yeah. I did say to my wife today, I said, hey, uh, we can... Now, forget it. I won't say that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I was getting ready to laugh. Let's go. Spit it out, Brent. Nah, I will say Spit it, it out and then do the, do the read quick because we had Dave come in here and drop that promo for us, which is fantastic that on his was, part. Uh, by the way, let's go back to Vita De Luis Tequila. <laughs> uh, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in Tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Uh, for locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLouis.com. Leave your troubles ashore. Live the island life with the citrus of the sea. Vita de Louis tequila. So Dave Matthews Band concert tomorrow. I actually, I saw somebody said, um, I've got a couple of tickets. Somebody want to buy them. And I really thought hard. I was like, I, I would like to go see Dave Matthews Band. Mm-hmm. And then I asked my wife, I was like, hey, where do you think? Dave Matthews, she's like, mm, kind of turned her nose up. So I said, 
all right, I won't try, I won't make the effort to go try to yeah try to do this because I also would have to make the effort to not work tomorrow night and all that stuff. Oh yeah, um, a lot goes into it. Yeah, there's a lot more planning. So sorry, Dave. I'll just listen to you on uh, iTunes. Fair enough. Or Spotify. Yep. Or which, by the way, which one am I supposed to be on? Which one is cool in that sense? Oh, does it matter? <laughs> uh, if we can turn off the microphones for a second. So actually, I. I was, I was kidding. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you uh, can. Turn yeah. it off. I got you. Forget so it. So I actually use, <laughs> no, uh, I, I actually, no, I, I use Apple Music. Do you? And uh, I may have a friend in the Murray State Department that still gave me my college email. Oh, so instead of uh, instead of getting paying 12 bucks a month, I pay 5 bucks a month <laughs> for well Apple done. Music. Thank you. Uh, hey, South Beach Gary joins us on the phone, 5 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. What's up, South Beach Gary? Good afternoon, gentlemen. You, Brent, you should ask you guys anything. I have two questions for you guys. Same same questions. Uh, your dream uh, dream foursome, whether it be past professional golfers, musicians that play golf, singers that play golf, and uh, if you were Masters champion, what would you serve as your champion's dinner the next year? Oh, man. Um, I thought that question was going someplace else when you first said that. Yeah, you were laughing. I was like, what are you laughing at? Well, okay. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Catch me up during the break. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I sure Get your will. mind out of the gutter there. I know. I will. All right, uh -oh. South Beach Gary. I'm going to think about that and talk about it. Thanks, man. What right. was my question? Did I get a question? No, I think it was for both huh. of us. Okay. Oh, golf. I'm not going to be on the golf course in the first place, but okay. No, but All right, so if you go golfing, which you are going golfing this summer, we're taking you golfing. Yeah. But... Who would you round out the foursome with? Give us three people. Well, I didn't know foursome was even a thing until Gary said it right now. So, like, foursome means four people in golfing. Yeah. Okay, got it. Thanks for telling me. Oh, my um, gosh. I mean, how do you know all this other stuff? I mean, you played hockey and yeah. basketball and... Cause uh, you know why? Because I, I didn't play golf, okay? Didn't didn't grow up playing golf, Brent. Like, have you ever watched it on TV? Yeah. They don't play in foursomes, do I mean, they? you played in golf tournaments. No, I haven't. That's you a did. lie. You didn't with the Jacks? You didn't play in a golf tournament? Oh, well, that wasn't really a tournament. That was just more of us just going there for something to do. Gosh, I didn't know it was this elementary. I'll teach you a little more. Sorry. Okay. It's all good, man. No worries. Uh, that's not what you brought me on board for in the first no, place. No, it really wasn't. Uh, so <laughs> if I could play golf with four or three people then, right, Brent? That's the, that's that's the, the question. Yeah. Can you go first? This I is kind of like Mount Rushmore, okay? People ask this question a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, catch up with the cool people like me, and you got to know this stuff. Is this it's like the Mount Rushmore of your golf team? Can we bring him back from the dead or is the people that are alive right now? Uh, uh, Gary didn't specify okay, well, go all time. We'll, we'll just say people that are alive then. We'll, we'll go Tiger Woods first because Tiger Woods golf, so I'm sure he can give me some tips. So Tiger Woods. Um, my wife's listening, so i got to be careful how I answer this. Uh, no, Michael Jordan and Wayne Gretzky. There you go. I don't know. I don't know, Brent. I got, I got, the question just turns me off because it's on a golf course. Like, I don't want to golf with anybody. All right, so who would you go have dinner with with three other people? It's the same concept here. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, same three. I don't know. L let me think about it. That's a hard question just to I know, go on the fly, man. I know, it's a tough to put on the spot. Yeah. Like, I know what, Garth what Brooks would be in my Garth course. Garth Brooks, okay. Um, I also always say I think I would have Bob Costas. Really? In my foursome. Pink eye Bob Costas or no <laughs> no pink eye Bob Costas. <laughs> pink eye Bob Costas. Stay up at late okay. on the Olympic night, Bob yeah. Costas. Okay. Uh, <laughs> meet meet the, the meat and potatoes, Bob Costas. Olympic Bob Costas. I, would I respect like that. that. I, I uh, from um, from a, a broadcast perspective, I would like to sit down and have a beverage or two, or yeah. maybe play eighteen with Bob Costas. I cool. think it would be good conversation there. Okay. Um, oh, this is tough though. 
I don't really. I don't. Dan Marino used to be. I'm going to throw one at you. That mm-hmm. would be awesome. Vin Scully. Ah, I like it. So maybe I would even take Vin Scully over Bob Costas and then put like Dan Marino in the group or sure. a Tiger in the group or yeah. someone else. Yeah. That would probably be better. But I should say even like a Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So here we go. Now that we're talking about this out loud, <laughs> let's rephrase this. Yes. I'll say Garth, mm-hmm. Larry Bird, mm-hmm. Vin Scully. I like it. That's a weird foursome. But not bad though. But I'll do it. Okay. Well, you got you to be any closer to this. So I'm going to update you. Hey, what so am I serving at the Masters? Forget what you... Uh, uh, surf and turf. Oh, surf and turf. Okay. A little baked stuff shrimp. Yeah. And some uh, filet. So forget my original three because I was generic. I'm not taking Tiger Woods because I just thought about it. He's better at me than golf. And I, I want to be like probably the best one out of the golf. So I'm taking a guy by the name of Shane McConkey, who may he rest in peace. He was a professional skier slash base jumper. Crazy personality. He was one of the first Red Bull sponsored athletes. Ah, yeah. uh, so I'm taking him. I'm taking a skateboarder by the name of Chad Muska that I grew up idolizing. And then go ahead and give me like an actor or musician. So let's go with somebody who's not really in the limelight. Someone I could pick his brain. Let's go Daniel Day-Lewis. What do you think about that? Daniel Day-Lewis, my third one. That'd be some cool conversation. For sure. Are you a big Daniel Day-Lewis guy? Do you know who Daniel Day-Lewis is? <laughs> you don't know who Daniel Day-Lewis is? Of course. Seriously? He's, he's going to beat Seriously. you on the golf course with his left foot. Seriously, you don't know who Daniel Day-Lewis is? Gangs in New York? There there will be blood? Oh. <laughs> Last of the Mohicans? Okay, so there's this thing that happened. It's called the 20th century, and we breathe. had movies. Scott, I can't breathe right now. I, I refuse to share a space with someone that doesn't know who Daniel Day-Lewis is. We have reached a new low on the show, ladies and gentlemen. ESPN 690. Who the hell is Daniel Day-Lewis, I guess? we got to take a break, oh. and I'm not sure I'm coming back. You're not coming back. On ESPN 690 Someone's right leaving. after this. Sports Jack on ESPN 690 and on your smart speaker. Yeah, right over there. No, I'm not. I'm, 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 really, I'm really not. Uh, I put it on Twitter. I'm calling my agent. I'm trying to opt out of this contract that I'm in because I am so taken back. I am so flabbergasted. So it's the Daniel, past five is, minutes. I know. I'm in tears. Like. I was I, I was thinking during that segment, I was like, come on, South Beach, Gary. That's like for June and July on Sports Talk Radio. <laughs> we're only in May here. But then I probably should write you a thing. Or actually, we're in April still. Um, but then it might have been the finest moment on the show yet. So, uh, is, And I even had, so I said, how do you spell it? Is it like Vita De Luis? Yeah. D- <laughs> <laughs> I mean... How do you how do you live how do you live your life how how do you grow up it's in amazing, this country really. how do you you know from from high school to college to your professional career how do you go your whole life and not know who Daniel Day Lewis is Legends of the Fall Brent there will be blood gangs of New York yeah I'm looking him up now I see his face uh, are and you I looking know. him up yeah do you, do you recognize him a little bit yeah I do no okay. I reckon I knew I would recognize him once you guys brought up like last of the Mohicans and yeah. stuff. But, like, you said there will be blood. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to know what that is? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Where, where he, he's an oil baron? I have no idea. Uh, Never heard of him. Did it win? Fantastically uh, Scott, dark storyline on that. Didn't it win Best Picture? 
think so. Yeah, you know, best movie of the year. Yeah. I don't know. You, you might have heard so of best another picture. Random, an another random movie for best picture. Don't ever hit. Don't. <laughs> don't. Brent, I'm going to. Hey, mind your P's and Q's around Mr. Day Lewis. So I'm going to say. All right, mind your P's and Q's. How did he get on? I mean, how does this guy get on your list in a foursome? Because he's one of the greatest actors of all time. And nobody knows anything about him because he stays out of the limelight. He's not one of those guys that seeks right. attention. Some people don't know anything about him. Yeah, I apparently don't know anything about him <laughs> or any of his movies. There will be blood. Come on. By the way, I also now have forgotten who was in your foursome. <laughs> <laughs> does it even matter anymore, really? No, to this point, it doesn't not, matter, does that. it? Yeah, you're not. You're not <laughs> even. You're, you're not even my 200th sum or whatever. If we had a big golf event, no, it's uh, it's going Sh- Shane McConkey, Chad Muska, Dan- Daniel Day Lewis. Oh uh, man, yeah, what a what a group. Or maybe you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna switch out Chad Muska. I'm going Shane McConkey, Kanye West, Daniel. Day Kanye West. Yeah. Imagine the conversations we could have. And plus, he probably sucks at golf too. So I'm, I'm good. And just don't bring Drake, or you automatically lose. Oh, that's a good point. That I like that. Uh, By the way, speaking of golf and uh, tournaments, I think we'll make the announcement tomorrow when the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18 Golf Tournament for 2019 will be. So hopefully you'll be a part of it. Uh, Going on 10 years, believe it or not, uh, with the Dream 18. So excited about it. We're uh, moving the golf tournament to a a new course this year. And have a lot of fun with the 10th anniversary of the tournament uh, in concept, if you will. And I hope you can be a part of it. So we'll announce that tomorrow. All right. So here's the deal. Let's get on. I wanted to discuss this. I love I love sports talk radio. And I love the fact that we can talk the draft and I love the Jags and the football and the NBA. We've had some fun conversation about the NBA stars uh, and all these things and, and figuring out. I learned so much. Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I also love it about these bigger topics that... People live every day in their life, and I think they decide on these things, and sometimes life kind of slides by you where you don't really even know what's happening. Um, but then we – and then a lot of people think from the outside they know more than you know. Um, you know, we all do that, and we all judge everybody. Like, well, I would never do that, and then, bam, you would do it if you were in their situation. Uh, so anyway, uh, someone tweets – I don't even have the tweet in front of me. Over the weekend, 91% of the draft class played multiple sports in high school. See, coaches, you shouldn't push toward one sport. You shouldn't push toward specialization. Now, there's an element of that that I agree with. I don't think coaches should tell you that you should go to this one sport, should push you to that one. I don't think that's up to the coach. I think that's up kid, parent, and, and it's dangerous in parents too. I understand that. But I do think coaches have to be really careful. But I hear a th- common thread, at least in the baseball world, that a lot of baseball coaches love the kids that play football because there's a toughness to them. Hmm. I mean, baseball players can be soft, man. Yeah, <laughs> Trust no. me, I played. Yeah, baseball yeah. Players, they harden them up. The tough kid. They love the guys that played football at one time or another. Mm-hmm. So, again, my whole point in this conversation is let's be careful with blanket statements. 91% is a lot out of that draft class. But I still would say if you investigate that draft class, you would say that those kids did weightlifting, did seven-on-sevens, did summer workouts, didn't miss any of that stuff. And then on top of that, you know what? They might have played a little baseball or they might have played basketball. Mm-hmm. They might have played another sport, but it wasn't their primary sport. See, we're getting things confused in society now where we say three-sport athlete, three-sport athlete or specialization, and that's it. It's, it's got to be yeah, a guy that plays three sports or specialization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Yes, we have lost the true essence of back in the day you played football, basketball, baseball. 
if you were a, a boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much, to be honest with you, I probably should know a little more from a female perspective of how much of three sports and specialization mm-hmm. are talked about. But this is usually a male talked about topic yeah. uh, in, in kids in high school, usually. And it's starting earlier and earlier, many people say. So, yeah, and to answer that question quick, I think uh, the general consensus is that in the female sports, I think basketball and uh, volleyball go hand in hand. I think there's a lot of crossover there. But um, from what I know, just uh, just what I read and whatnot, uh, from pitchers and softball, it's all I specialize in. You you don't see a lot of... uh, you know, like um, elite softball players, I think, play more than one sport. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, listen, so you're, I think you're a great example of this. This is what got me on well, the topic. Yeah, I said, so. hey, this is fascinating. Austin Lane plays professional football. He was he played AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. You know how to skate well enough where you probably played some hockey along the way. I don't that know I what, when that stopped. When yeah, did so, hockey stop? So th- th- that stopped before I got to high school, so it stopped in eighth grade. Okay, for any reason? Yeah, so hockey was my sport. That was a sport that I wanted to be successful at. And um, the way it was set up at the time for our zoning in our district was where I would have to move um, from where we lived to a different town and have to go to a different high school to to play high school hockey. Well, that was out of the question, so I had to stay in Iola, so therefore I couldn't play high school hockey. Okay, that makes sense. Um, So so it was more a logistical kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that's all it was. I mean, if, if I lived in the city that offered a hockey team in high school, I would... I probably would try to be the NHL, to tell okay. you the truth. Yeah. And for me, like I play, I didn't play football, but I played uh, basketball through middle school and baseball, and I swam. Mm, so yeah. I did those three things, which I think uh, uh, Quincy Williams for making swimming cool again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and still get drafted in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't a football guy. But by the time I got to high school, I think I, I tried out for my high school basketball team, and, dude, I was like 4 11. And although I loved playing hoops, and I was halfway decent at it, mm-hmm. it wasn't – I couldn't play at that with the size. I mean, it was totally size at yeah. that point. So I was out of, I was out of basketball. Um, so I was still swimming and playing baseball. So then I, I think I told you before, I ran cross country for the one year. But I was almost looking for another sport to do, that third sport kind of yeah. uh, to mix it up. And then on the side, I would – I mean, I watched Andre Agassi playing on TV, and I was like, I want to go play tennis. So I'll play tennis sometimes. I'll go play golf sometimes. So, I mean, I would pick up these sports. So you're all over the place. Yeah, that's great. Whether you're playing, and back then, now, this is a little different. In the neighborhoods, you'd play two-hand touch football. You'd play tackle football. You'd play wiffle ball. I mean, that wasn't that long ago, but Mm -hmm. I do think it was a little more prevalent as I was growing up. And that stopped now a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, We did play video games, too. So let's not label everyone around here now just a video game. We played video games. Yeah. But obviously, there's more attention on video games now. So I, I think we both played a various amount of sports. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't make it to any professional level. From my vantage point, mm-hmm. if you told me that I could play baseball nine months out of the year because of the weather. I grew up in Rhode Island, so sure. I can't play it. But you told me there were indoor hitting facilities. And you told me there were lessons and all this stuff. I loved baseball. I would have probably dropped as much as I could have dropped to create more time for baseball mm-hmm. to play baseball. Uh, I would have done it. And now that doesn't mean I would have been a professional. Would I have been a little better? Probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know how great I would have been. I don't know what my upside is. So I think you, we have a great comparison here. You yeah, and me. we do. We have a guy that's very athletic, super athletic. And I don't know if I, I, I don't know where you put yourself. 
I think the athlete that makes professional sports, I always kind of identify them as the 1% athlete. Yeah. And I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it's 3%. Mm-hmm. But let's just put you in the 1% category. Oh, thanks, man. You're a, you're a guy <laughs> that makes it to the pros. Yeah. Uh, and maybe if you had committed to hockey, maybe you would have been really good at I hockey. I mean, I, I think, so like I said, I mean, from a perspective, because I played football, hockey, baseball and soccer like around that year like around those years and by far the sport that I excelled in the most was hockey at, yeah. at the time yes but, it, but there's also a belief of mine and let's just for this example say you played baseball and you made it to professional baseball instead mm-hmm. of football well so you're the guy that can play all these other sports you're really athletic you got the size the strength and you're good at that stuff mm-hmm. that you can play all the other ones even though you don't really have to practice it that much yeah. and then you can focus in on baseball and you're playing in the fall in the spring and doing workouts or whatever else to, to get on that like football guys do now where I if I want to catch Austin Lane in any way if I want to try to beat Austin Lane out in high school if I'm playing the same position mm-hmm. well damn it I better play a heck of a lot more than Austin's playing yeah. I gotta work on my craft to me that's no different than the kid that's not great at math but has to work five hours a day on math if they want to be in math just to be equal to that other person there's an element of that that exists that we dismiss Mm. we just say hey oh no that's specialization that's not good wait a minute why not why not busting your ass at something you like why isn't that good Mm -hmm. or and this could be anything could be piano it could be math it could be baseball foot it could be any of it Mm-hmm. And so we dismiss that fact. Like, okay, we're talking about athletes that are really, really good. How do you catch up to people that are better than you? You work harder than them mm-hmm. most of the time, yeah. right? And by the way, sooner or later, the gifts will figure itself out. And there's a good chance I wouldn't have caught up to Austin Lane. <laughs> Size and speed and strength, yeah. but it's probably too much to overcome. Yeah. But I could have potentially closed the gap mm-hmm. is my point. Yeah. And I think we lose that part of specialization. Now, why do we lose it? Because our parents, or parents in general this day and age, are guilty of thinking, my kid's good enough to make it to the big leagues, or my kid's good enough to go to the NFL, Mm -hmm. or you have Kyler Murray kind of dads who shape boom all the way up. And and again, I'm not knocking it. It's worked. That worked. Yeah. Right? Uh, But but there's too many people that are misled or not realistic about the fact that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be... I can be this good. I can be this good. This kid's going to be awesome if he does this every single day and works out four times a week and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So from what I've seen, and I'll set the story from you know my whole background in a second, but from what I've seen in terms of specialization, like it's always been there, whether it was, it was the mid-2000s when I went to high school, even earlier than that, it's always been there. But from what I'm seeing now, uh, staying in Jacksonville, going back home to Wisconsin um, for vacations and holidays and whatnot, I'm seeing that the specialization is starting a lot younger than what it used to be. It used to be if you're in grade school, um, you go out, you do soccer, you, you do whatever, underhand softball, you do whatever you want to do, you go have fun, and when you get to high school, then you start focusing more on the specialization part. As a kid... Um, you know, my my pops, he was a, a good football player. He had a, a couple looks from the Atlanta Falcons, played D3 ball at Stevens Point, never got the opportunity, but he was he was a pretty good athlete. Uh, mom was not. Mom is the farthest thing from an athlete. She was more of like like, like the art nerd, you know, if, if you will. Uh, 
with all respect to her. So, uh, so like a, from a genetic standpoint, she knows who Daniel Day Lewis. Oh yeah, is. she knows who Daniel Day Lewis is. Like, yeah, I'm sure she she probably turned off the station when she heard that. But uh, so like you know from that perspective, like yeah, I probably had some of the genetics. But the, the thing that that I attribute most to my development as an athlete, especially as a young kid. So dad was out of the picture when I was really young. So he he wasn't around. So it was me and my mom, and my grandparents, and my my mom kind of took charge of getting me into sports and whatnot. And my mom always encouraged me. She, she said, you can do whatever you want, but you have to have fun doing it. If you're not having fun, I'm not going to take you to practice. Grandma's not going to take you to practice because it's, it's worthless. So I, I played soccer because I loved running around with my friends because, you know, we, we didn't have cell phones and YouTube. I mean, it was, you had to be outside. So I loved playing soccer. So I started out playing soccer. Well, then it was playing football. And then it was baseball. And then by the time I got to middle school, and like I said, I mean, hockey was out of the picture then. So then I turned to basketball. And, and truth be told, I never liked basketball. Basketball. Basketball was never a sport I was really fond of because it was too mental for me. I was the kid that loved checking people in hockey. I loved putting a kid on his back in hockey. I loved tackling somebody in football. So by the time I got to basketball, and granted, like I, I mean, I, I shot at basketball like growing up, but I didn't really start playing until eighth grade. Um, I wasn't really about it. And then by the time I got to high school, it was just kind of like, you know, it was something that I did because I played football and football became my main sport. But then after football, and granted, where I'm from, Brent, I mean, football is everything, okay? And that's the way it's always going to be. So, you know, we we had a good program with football where we had a special Jason when it came to lifting. And it wasn't lifting for the point where you're trying to add size and muscle. It was lifting from the fact that they wanted to teach you what you're going to do in college. Because I think one of the biggest... One of the biggest anti-developments in an athlete is getting kids started lifting too young. And, yes. and, and you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with me because I've seen it, I see it all the time in the gym. I see parents have their kids in a squat rack, the kids in eighth grade, and he's squatting 135 sometimes more, more than that in the squat rack. No. I think that's absolutely wrong because I think as a kid, you're that age, you're in middle school, even in high school, your body's still growing. Like... You're trying to get used to your body. You're you're trying to you're trying to you know grow into it. The last thing you want to do is add more chaos by you know adding muscle and lifting weights. Don't get me wrong. I think there's something to be said for you know doing the proper motions and maybe squatting with lighter weight. But some of these parents that just load up the bar that say squat as much as you can. I think you know there's something in the wrong there. So that's a good message by the yeah, way. Yeah. So so for that's my guy what, who's done it. Yeah. So the, I don't lift very much. <laughs> <laughs> so so that that's why growing up in Iola. Uh, you know, and our head football coach always, um, he, he kind of like spearheaded the whole thing. So that's why I was thankful with his, you know, strength and conditioning program that we always had that. And then, like I said, then I played basketball, um, played baseball my sophomore year. Or, I'm sorry, my freshman year. And then I, I, I kind of kissed baseball behind and it was just football and basketball. And the thing that stressed me out about basketball, because like I said, I mean, my whole goal in high school was to get a scholarship to play sports. And I had a lot more scholarships I did for basketball than for football. But what stressed me out about basketball was because I was thinking in the back of my mind, well, I'm playing basketball now. I want to play football. Like, I can't go to the weight room before practice lift and then go to practice because I'm going to be shot. You know, so I felt like it's going to hurt my development as a, as a football player because I'm wasting my time with basketball. And that was my whole mindset. And then all of a sudden it started to click with me where I was like, well, let's see what I'm getting out of basketball right now. I'm getting the footwork. I'm getting the lateral agility. And that's where I think the beauty of playing multi-sports comes into play is the fact that you're using muscles, you're using, you're using techniques, you're using a bunch of things that you wouldn't use if you're, if you're specialized in a sport. And that's why... That's the best case for it, too. That's, that's, it that's is the helping beauty you for of that it. sport that you specialize in. Yeah. 
if yeah. you play other sports. Exactly. So th- that's the beauty of it. And then let's fast forward now to my senior year. Um, and this is one of my biggest regrets in my, my high school athletic career is I decided to go out for track because at my senior year, I, I already signed the scholarship to Murray State. I know I'm playing football. So I wanted to go do track because I wanted to stay in shape for football. That was the philosophy behind it. Well, you know, I mean, I messed around in track and I went to state for three events, but the things that we would do in track, whether it was, you know, like the warm-ups or if it was just like the dynamic lifts or if it was, uh, you know, like the sprint work, those are things that we did at Murray State, you know, during the off-season. So, like, I remember being at Murray State thinking, like, man, I probably should have done track a lot more because that probably would have even benefited benefited me to, you know, to, for a couple more years. I would do, like, my sophomore and junior year. So, I think, you know, we're talking about specialization. And, listen, I have two cousins. Um, they, they live in Austin, Texas. Uh, Carl, the oldest cousin, um, he got drafted by the New York Mets. Uh, three years, I'm sorry, no, the Miami Marlins. I'm sorry about that. Uh, three years ago. And uh, he was like in this single A system, you know, but he's a pitcher. But like growing up in Texas, I mean, especially a pitcher, he couldn't play football. He couldn't play basketball. They said, if you want to be a baseball player, you're playing year round. And that's what he did. And then his, uh, my other cousin, his little brother, Ian, um, Ian uh, is a pitcher now at Saul Ross State in Texas. Um, and Ian is, it's the same situation where Ian was required because that's the way Texas rolls, where if you want to be a pitcher, you got to do it the whole entire year. And I'll never forget this. It was back home over the holidays uh, during Christmas break. I was back home in Wisconsin and my cousins were visiting and Ian, we were playing uh, pickup basketball and Ian tore it apart. Ian dropped like 20 points in a game. And I turned to him, I'm like, dude. I'm like, I didn't know you're like good at basketball. I was like, yeah, you know, we'd always like, you know, during the off season of baseball, I would go to the playground and pick up, you know, play pick up with my friends. I'm like, why aren't you ever playing high school? Like, you you would have been killer. He's like, that's not how it works. That's not how it works in Texas. You know, that's not how it works with baseball. So, you know, it, it, it kind of sucked to see because he had, he had a lot of talent in basketball as well, just from playing pickup ball. It seemed like, but so I guess that's kind of my point. Where I think there's some positions. Like, I get it. If you're a pitcher in baseball, I guess you got to focus a lot on that. Um, maybe even a quarterback in football, but I just ask people to, to, to think about it because every sport, there, there, there are pros and cons. I get that, but your body, especially in high school, you're still growing, you're still adapting to your body, and if you can put your body through different movements, through different activities, it's only going to make it better in the long run. All right, I want to I want to go back on you on one of those points because yeah. I think it's the, guilt, the the coaches have to be really careful here. And but I think the player has a power that they don't use very often too. Uh, talk about that and stay in your lane. Uh, half hour left here on a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. By the way, I know this can be a topic everybody has a thought on. Nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one is the number three six two nine nine zero one. If you want to jump in, it's next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. We got some questions. You know, move over, LeBron James. We started yep. this show saying LeBron was going to do a Q&A. So today, Austin Lane asked or said he was doing a Q&A on Twitter. We actually got some questions. I asked the same thing. I don't have any. Don't you have more followers than I do, too? I do. Hmm. Apparently not. I guess you're not really uh, engaging 
in, in your Twitter stuff. But yeah. hey, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, Brent. You can keep on doing what you're doing. That's true. You're fine. Just And by the way, let's go ahead and give Brent Martineau the flex of the day for saying that he had 19,000 Twitter followers <laughs> and try to put that in my face. So, Brent Martineau, flex of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. There we go. Um, all right. We're talking about specialization in sports. And... You know, you brought up your. I, I'm gonna. You brought up your cousins in Texas. Yeah. And, and by the way, uh, someone just said on Twitter, uh, Stephen did interesting convo. Something occurred to me that geography has a lot to do with demands in youth baseball. You can't play in the snow, so other sports are tolerated more. That's a great point. There's a couple of things going on here too, and call me a defender of baseball, but I, I say this often. Baseball is like the target of all of this stuff. Like baseball is the one when you think of specialization, mm-hmm. when you think of um, travel ball, when you think of those things, everybody goes baseball, baseball. And I'm like, okay, it's it's guilt, it's part of the conversation. Yeah. But isn't everything else? I mean, in basketball they play AAU basketball, they travel all over the place. Yeah. I've given you the examples before of dance, dance True. people. My wife danced when she was a kid, and they were all over the place, and it's expensive. Volleyball is way more expensive right now if you play it at a travel league than if you do play baseball or softball or probably even basketball. Volleyball might be the most expensive one out there Mm -hmm. at the moment. Uh, So it's just funny how we associate it. And now the reason we associate baseball with specialization is because of the arms, because of the Tommy John stuff and all the young arms getting beat up early. And I listen, I don't disagree with that part. You have to be super disciplined. Coaches have to be super disciplined to acknowledge that overuse is an issue curveballs people even wonder if that's as much of the problem as it is overuse but that's a problem there are we, we play in the baseball circles man there are a lot of kids arms that are not healthy and i think it's a bit overuse but i think one of the mis looked at things in baseball and arm trouble is what you said about the weight room and that is the growth Every yeah. time a kid goes to the doctor and, and they get their arm looked at, the doctor talks about the growth plate still not being developed. Mm-hmm. Not every time, but a lot of times. And so I think that's a big issue, is that they're throwing too much for, or in the, they're in the middle of growing. Mm-hmm. And so therefore we see a lot of arm troubles at a youth age. I don't know if it's just always overuse. I don't know if it's always curveballs. I think that's part of the equation. I think a lot of it has to do with growth, like you talked about, mm-hmm. in weightlifting. And speaking of growth quick, too, so weightlifting is a prime example. It seems like the trend now that I've been gathering from the NFL draft is uh, is like former high school wrestlers, you know that um that especially for like the offensive linemen, which I think I mean don't get me wrong, go hand in hand, they go hand in hand, and I think wrestling is a fantastic sport. Yeah, um, we didn't have it in high school, but if if my son has an opportunity to do it, I'm going to encourage it. But he can do whatever he wants. But the thing that makes me nervous with wrestling, and uh, I use this as a prime example because my stepdad told me this. So my stepdad went to a school in Wisconsin uh, by the name of Wisconsin Rapids High School, and they're known as one of the best wrestling programs in the entire nation. Um, and at one point they won. 20 state titles in, in a row. Wow. In, in a row. So, uh, but my said that always told me, like, the guys that would cut weight in high school and that would, you know, be required to drop those 15, 20 pounds before a match, he said the guys that he grew up with that did that, they never, like, mature, like, they're all short. They're all short and stubby kind of guys. So, 
you know, that I guess that kind of begs the question, like, well, how much do you invest in the wrestling thing? Because I do think there's something to be said. We're talking about weightlifting and how it's bad as a young kid. Well, how bad is cutting weight? How bad is yeah. depleting your body and starving yourself, especially, you know, at that young age and especially wrestling in a sport where it's part of it? You know, part of that, it's all about suffering. It's going through that suffering and coming out on top. That's the beauty of wrestling. But it's preached at such a young age where, man, I don't know if you got to put some kind of thing in place, but there's kids out there, Brent, that are in high school that are cutting 15, 20 pounds, and as far from a development to play another sport in, in college, I think it would be, uh, it probably hurt him. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I, I, the wrestlers, and I knew I was aware of that in high school. I didn't yeah. wrestle, and uh, I always say I think wrestling is the hardest sport to train for. Uh, of any of them. I think Hands it's the down. hardest one. I respect the hell out of those wrestlers in high school and college, wherever you're wrestling. Um, so I don't. I just don't know. I have enough knowledge, but it always crossed my mind. It's like, can this be good for you to gain weight, lose weight, yeah. gain weight, lose well, weight like this? But and, and heck, I'm trying to do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but let's be honest. So we're talking like wrestling and correlating to NFL. I mean, those offensive linemen. More than Mikey in high school, they were heavyweight wrestlers, so there is no weight restriction. Well, that's my buddy right? was an offensive lineman, and he yeah. was a heavyweight wrestler, and so there yeah. isn't the weight restriction. Mm -hmm. All right, this day, just a couple more comments on the specialization mm -hmm. stuff. Chris Ryer uh, jumped in the other day. This was from the other day, but I wanted to share some of the thoughts on it. He said, I feel multi-sports athletes are less likely to burn out on the sport. Baseball year-round would have been like torture for me in high school. And I agree with that. I mm -hmm. think there is. You said it. Your mom said, what can you do to have fun? Yeah. Right. I think that is something we pr the kids play a lot of baseball and a lot of softball. Mind you. Mm -hmm. But I will also say, I mean, Ty golfs, plays volleyball, plays basketball a couple hours a day, plays yeah. a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. He doesn't he's not just in the house. It's not a defense of what we do. I'm just saying I'm just telling you what we do. Kaylee plays like middle school volleyball. She probably is more specialized. Actually, mm -hmm. she's way more specialized than Ty. She plays a lot more softball than okay. he does baseball. Um, and I think part of it is because she loves it. But I always tell my wife, I said, you, you got to be careful. How we got to be careful how much say, hey, it's time to go to practice. I got to go to practice. Yeah. If there's ever that look in their face mm -hmm. that says, I don't want to go here today. Yeah. And we thankfully haven't had that look yet. Yeah. Because you got to keep that love of the game burning. I think you've got to somehow try to find the balance to keep the love. And my two, I'm just fortunate. My two love playing ball. No, that's and great. I, I th which is cool. But you've got to be careful that it. You don't cross that line and be like, all right, I'm tired of playing today. I've played four weekends in a row or whatever. I think that's real. That's a real thing. And let's go ahead and think about it quick, Brent. Like, when me and you grew up, we played sports. It was for entertainment. It was because what else were we going to do? Yeah. I mean, like, sports were, that was our, um, that was kind of like our time away from, you know, being bored. I mean, that, that was entertainment. But, like, nowadays, you look at kids, and this is not, I'm not trying to hark, you know, harp on millennials or whatever, but, like, there's so much more stuff that kids can do for entertainment, whether it's video games, whether it's um, cell phones, whether it's social media. Like, there's so many Game more things that are, that are taking time away. It's almost like sports are secondary now. Like, kids don't yeah. go to sports because, oh, I want to be entertained. Now, some maybe do, but it, that's why I'm asking parents to, like, you know, pump the brakes a little bit because, like, your kids have so many other options for entertainment and uh, for ways to pass their time that sports aren't even the top ten anymore. Yeah. Let me, uh, JPC 1488 said, best athletes I've ever known were multi-sports guys. Spoke to Mets scout a few years back. He said he hated year-round travel baseball. Mm. They don't produce athletes. They produce a first baseman at nine years old. That's all <laughs> the kid ever plays. And, again, I think there are some coaches that specialize at nine and ten years old, and that's a little crazy to one position. I don't think that's the norm. I think we hear it once and we say, oh, my gosh. It's happening all over the place. Sure. But I also responded to him. I said, this is partially the college coaches and the scouts' fault. 
because they can go to these one-stop shop places Mm -hmm. and see 250 teams play in Atlanta, Fort Myers, wherever. And again, not just in baseball, in a lot of sports. And that's why we have this. That's why they have it in Orlando at Disney, because all those coaches can now go to one spot. It's easier on them. So I don't want to hear the coaches bitching and moaning about it and the scouts. It's their fault. They're not pushing back on it. They're saying it's easier for me. I don't have to now go to this high school, that high school, whatever. So that's the one difference in football, too. Mm -hmm. Football is you have the seven-on-seven, maybe, but those football coaches still have to get around to the high schools to go watch them play. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, we want to pin it on the, the coach that's coaching your kid or the parent all the time. I'll tell you what, the college coaches... And the scouts and people like that, they're just as guilty in all of this uh, if you think specialization is a major problem. Uh, one last thing. Don't have a problem with people. Uh, First Coast Bubbler. Got to get Bubbler into the show whenever we can. Yeah. Don't have a problem with people playing one sport. But our problem is no off time. I think there has to be some off time, even at a professional level. Fastball now where these guys playing during the season and doing the Olympics. It's too much on the body. You need a break. You well, do need a break. and let's be honest, especially being a student athlete, I mean, yeah, you're playing all these sports, but you still have to go to school as well. You have, you have to have good grades. So, yeah, yeah I mean, sometimes uh, rest doesn't hurt. And, you know, it's funny. It's What I always take, I look at this. Again, I'm living. So this is a conversation right now that's really interesting to me. And um, I might look back at it in 10 years and be like, shoot, man, we were guilty of that big time. Or, <laughs> I might. I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see it. Uh, but... You know what's funny is like when a, a kid goes and plays golf, and I love sport of golf, but golfers play like golf. Go- kids who are playing golf mm-hmm. play golf all the time. Kids who are playing tennis play tennis all the time. Mm-hmm. Kids who cheerlead, cheerlead all the time. Like there isn't an off season. It just feels like those are less scrutinized. Yeah. And I think a well, lot of it, again, I, I brought this up earlier, I think it goes back to the injury thing. The arms are such a big deal. In baseball, especially, I think that's why baseball seems to be at the forefront of all this, mm-hmm. because you're getting less injuries in, say, AAU basketball or when you're playing tennis or I mean, there might be injuries, but I'm just saying it's not like they're not all going to see Dr. James Andrews <laughs> yeah. and having Tommy John. That's yeah. a big surgery for yeah. a kid. Yeah. So um, it's amazing that it's in the forefront of it. But uh, I think it's always going to be a topic. Uh, how did we start this topic? How did I get a little bit on a soapbox to a degree? It's because people blanket statement and say the athletes that make it big did not specialize. Mm -hmm. They play multi-sports. And I'll go back to what I said earlier, and I think we use the example of you and I, is those 1% or 3% athletes, they're probably going to make it. They're probably going to make it because they're that good, that talented. I don't – you might be right that playing multi-sports is the best thing to do. But you telling me that the 1% athlete is why you should be multi-sports, to me, doesn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. Because that guy's going to make it big anyway. Yeah. That, that girl's going to make it big. Yeah. They're just that good. Yeah. And whether well, they played the sport three months genetic, or nine months. It's genetics. Like, having a parent who's a professional athlete is going to help your odds, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're ahead of the game. Ronan, good luck. <laughs> yeah. We'll watch be an artist. Too. My poor kids. <laughs> he's not going to be in sports. <laughs> he's going to be in a pet band or something. Who knows? Hey, Scott, it's too late to break now, so let's uh, just take this to the top of the show. Why don't we? You got a little Sweet. stay in your lane? Oh, yeah. Stay in your lane real quick. Uh, so cruise control. My apologies go out to Damien Lillard because I just saw this uh, this quote yesterday, but it came out a couple days ago. Um, 
this was this article was done by Sporting News back in 2017, and it got brought back up as Damian Lillard hit his game-winning shot against OKC to advance in the NBA playoffs. And uh, I got the I got the quote chalked up here. Um, Damian Lillard was asked about the pressure. This is back in 2017, mind you. The pressure that he feels to be a leader in Portland, um, to kind of be the face of the franchise, and to try to take the the Portland Trailblazers. Um, you know, past the first round. And this is what he said, and uh, this is quote for quote here. So, and I quote, Pressure? Nah, fam. This is just playing ball. Pressure is the homeless man who doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. Pressure is the single mom who is trying to scuffle and pay her rent. We p- we get paid a lot of money to play a game. Don't get me wrong. There are challenges, but to call it pressure is almost an insult to regular people. And I thought uh, Damian Lillard couldn't have said it better himself. I'm glad this article got brought back out because I don't remember it back in 2017. Um, I think Damian Lillard's, you know, I mean, let's make no lie about it. He's one of the best NBA players in the world, but also I think he's one of the best stand-up people. And I think he gets overshadowed sometimes because he's not a flashy dresser. He's not a guy that's going to make a lot of quotes in the media and, um, you know, have a lot of things to say, but I think a guy like this, an ambassador of the game, needs to be recognized. I think uh, it's a great point. It's a great quote. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. First time I saw that, I was like, all right, come on. And, uh, where was that? From like page 32 of some book yeah. somewhere? I mean, it kind of felt a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. But you know why? I think I've heard it before. I think it was because it was from 2017. There you go. Yeah. I think that's why. It was a really good quote uh, yeah. from him and, and, and good perspective. Uh, I, that's a tough thing to do, by the way, to be. And I thought about that. I was like, how do you have that perspective as an athlete? You can, again, get caught up in your own world yeah. where that does matter. If you're a competitor, yeah, that does matter. There is pressure on me. Poor me, even though I'm making millions of dollars. Great perspective from Lillard. Yep, and uh, quick uh, pump your brakes going out to Dave Gettleman, the GM of the New York <laughs> Giants. Listen, you're, you're a GM, and the fact that you're in pump my brakes right now should tell you that you're not doing your job very well. Um, I'm not sure if you've been following him, Brent, but he's been in, in the media cracking jokes, trying to make a name for himself, and that's not your job. As a general manager of any NFL franchise or of any professional sports team, your job is to assemble the talent. That is your job. Your job is not to be the face of the franchise. Your job is not to be in the headlines. And the, the way that he's treating his draft right now and the responses that he's getting, all the criticism, it's not a good look for the Giants. I just I have an issue of a guy who keeps backtracking saying, Well, I had a good I had good um I had a good outcome and so and so. We won a championship there. And Carolina, look, look what I did in Carolina. Nobody cares what you did in Carolina. Nobody cares about your past. All people care about right now, especially Giants fans, are the fact that you drafted Daniel Jones, who people think got drafted a little bit too high. Now, is that right or wrong? We'll see. But it's not your job to go back and defend yourself. Just take the criticism. Don't even say anything about it. The fact that you keep backtracking, saying, look at my record here, look at my record here, it's almost like he's shown that he's wrong hey. because he's trying to defend himself. All right. This goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier. If I, uh, if you, if I start criticizing you yeah. for something, yep. are you going to stay quiet? This is a weird, not in this setting. I'm no, talking about, is, yeah. I, ideally, well, if I'm criticizing you as a football player or an MMA fighter and you yeah. don't really feel I'm right or you want to defend yourself. I'm going to do it, yeah, but I'm a player. I'm not a general manager. Yeah, well, I see. I actually find this Gettleman stuff almost, I think it's getting a lot of attention because it's so unique to your point. Mm-hmm. I think they usually do just kind of hide in the bowels and of the stadiums and, and not really say stuff like this. But he's defending... He's been known, even prior to this draft, as a somewhat transparent GM. He mm-hmm. talks more than others. No, he even I give agree. up more stuff. And so I, there's a part of me that's like, all right, he's at least defending himself. Now, you're probably not going to win, to your point. Of course. So why not just 
take the criticism and be quiet and see how it works out. Yeah, I mean, do you think defending yourself is going to change how Giants fans feel about you right now? Yeah, I guarantee not. it doesn't. So it's not helping. I so get it's your not point. helping, so it's a distraction. But it's just it a is. little bit before, like I had mentioned, like the Ramses of the yeah, world. Yeah. Stuff. When we ask the guy to answer the question, yep. he doesn't answer the question, we get mad at him. When he answers the question, we get mad at him. I no, kind of feel like there's a little bit of this going on right now with Gettleman. But I'm saying he's not a football player. He, he's the GM. He's... That's not his job day. I feel like answer this question. All right, we got to like go that. in like two minutes. Q&A. I got to answer it. Q&A. Your Q&A. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Uh, that guy, E-Dub, said, who had the most iconic last second win? David Garrard, Hail Mary, Joe Carter, walk off, Michael Jordan against the uh, 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 I Michael, I mean, Cleveland yeah, Cavs. Cleveland, yeah. And uh, what is he showing here? Because I'm not Oh, culture. that's uh, that's Arya Stark. <laughs> okay. Spoilers. Um, oh, that's like, yeah, that was yeah. Game of Thrones. So uh, I'm going with Dave Garrard because I was part of that game. And uh, his throw to Mike Thomas you was like David Garrard over Michael Jordan. Because I was there. Hey, guess what? I wasn't at I wasn't at Winterfell with uh, Arya Stark. <laughs> I wasn't with Michael Jordan when he beat Cleveland. And I wasn't in Toronto. Uh, I hope you watch Game of Thrones, people. Will you cover the Jacks Axemen? They are the reigning USARL champs. Uh, yeah, Austin probably will cover them. We do cover them on the TV yeah. side, CBS 47 and Fox 30. But you should go play for them. Well, I have. Can uh, you play I mean, with my boy Flora so, on the team? So, so, so I break some news quick. Uh, so their coach reached out and wants me to go to training camp next year. Are you serious? I, I, I swear. Can you play rugby? No, for the Iceman. Oh, I'm sorry, the Axeman. I'm thinking of the Iceman. Oh, the Axeman. Uh, oh, yeah, you're no. breaking news, so you're going to go try out for the Iceman? I'm, I'm, I'm getting the Axeman, the Iceman. Where are you confused. keeping these secrets? Uh, so you're going to go skate? Uh, for training camp, we'll see. Hey, Jason Christie, uh, you leave him alone here. Uh, He's we'll got see. a job. Uh, for, no, but for, for rugby, uh, why not? I, I'm, I'm down to play some, or to go cover some. I'm not going to play rugby. Why not? Cover. Could you play rugby? You'd fit. My, my dad did, my half-sister did. My half-sister played at University of Milwaukee. Don't shy away from this. I think okay. rugby's in your future. Okay, we'll see. Um, what else uh, we got? Who wore it better, my cowboy hat or that guy in the picture from um, Bull City Cap? You you did for sure. Yeah, yeah that yep. guy in his tattoos. He does have a tattoo on his chest. It's just not of his own yep. face like I had uh, talked about. Better college, Ashland University or Murray State? Not next question. No, yeah, next no. question. We'll talk about this on Alumni Day coming okay. up. We're going to have yeah. Alma Mater Day in June. It's Murray State, let's be serious. Uh, how do you see the D-line looking next year with Allen at it? How might Smoot Taven factor in? Uh, be quick. Smooth, I think you got to go actually three techniques. Smooth's more of a defensive end, but he's a bigger guy. I think you can move him to three. And who's the other guy you're talking about? Smooth, Taven. Oh, yeah, Taven. And then Taven's playing three technique as well. What's what's harder, NFL training camp or an MMA fight camp? NFL training camp because there's a lot more uh, in terms of mentality. Meetings. Nonstop. How long would Kuz last in an NFL locker room? Uh, with smells, five seconds. How long would I last in an octagon with you? Go and answer that question, Brent. How do you, what do you think? If I run around in circles for a bit, 22 seconds. Friends, pick, pick a number between 1 and 30. 27. Because there's 30 reasons like, I can kill you in a cage. So ESPN pick one. 690. We'll see you on TV later tonight. ESPN 690. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.